With me this week are Phil Stadal and Terry Canova. How are you doing today, Phil? Great. Great to be back. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And Terry, how are you after your holiday? I am wonderful. Spent the week in the Bahamas. I swam with turtles. I got on the friggin' water slides. I am, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm good fit, to go. Fit, looking good and feeling refreshed. Now, we are also welcoming another very special guest to the show this week. Someone who quite literally has Mid-South Wrestling in their blood. Former WCW, WWF and NWA TNA wrestler. PWI's Rookie of the Year 1992 and part of the world famous Watts family. Eric Watts is here on Mid-South Moments. How are you doing today, Eric? And thank you. Man, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so excited to be here. I get the chance to do a lot of podcasts, but um, uh, you're hitting home with Mid-South. <laughs> oh, we're, do, we're doing our best. I mean, I think uh, Terry, um, Phil probably mentioned it, but growing up in the UK, we didn't get any of this stuff. So I've heard all of the stuff about Mid-South. I'm like, I'm going to go back and watch this from... 84 all the way to the end and review it week yeah. by week so that's what this is this is all about so for for starters what are some of your i get was there ever a time that you weren't you know you didn't weren't aware of progress and what are some of your earliest memories because i guess you were immersed in it from the moment you could really remember anything i guess okay so i'll gunshot this really fast so so my my mother was from estonia okay and, and the country was an independent country and then one day russia came and said hey let's put some let's put some tanks and stuff, you know, just in case someone wants to attack you and we'll, we'll back you up. And they're like, sure. They rolled in the tanks, turned them, took over the country. Mm. So her mom and them took a whole bunch of jewelry, uh, um, uh, snuck out of Estonia. Their dad got caught, went back. They got onto a boat that had been shot in the world war and it sunk off the coast of Germany. And so she ended up in deportation camps, which were concentration camps in Bremen, Germany, for seven years before she was sponsored, her whole family was sponsored over by a church in Oklahoma City. Wow. So that's how okay. it got her here. So from that, what I'm trying to tell you is very independent people, uh, entrepreneur people, um, faith-based people, heavy, heavy, heavy. Then you've got Cowboy Bill Watts. They broke the mold. He knows nothing that he cannot do. He, ha- he, he People do not tell him what what to do, not to do. He, he's a man that rides to his own tune. So coming up in that household, my father was a working father. So, I mean, mm. my dad, listen, I know four times a month, my dad would get in town. That was probably to sign the checks to send them oh. out to the boys. Yeah. But then he was back, but he was back on the road. So he was, a, he, he was a working owner. So my dad coming in town, right. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was intense. Okay. he, as tough as you see him on TV, he was 10 times tougher as a father. Mm. So, so my mom is raising us with free thinking, entrepreneurship, and having your own uh, uh, goals in life. And my dad was saying, you can do whatever the F you want. This is what I do. Mm. So we did get immersed because from a business aspect, everything from putting up the rings, I remember doing the lights on tv the music sometimes on tv uh you know when we did some stuff like a tulsa or oklahoma city or whatever yeah. uh to security to um we would uh we would sneak around to make sure that the people that were ticket takers weren't letting friends in we, we would nail people all the time 10 13 14 15 people coming in the back doors um to the econ- to the economy of what it took to run the business you know mm-hmm. i i remember this was like an 80 I think it's 82-ish or 83. We sat down as a family and we always did this. My dad's like, hey, I just want to let you know we're growing 
and we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of overhead. And so you guys, I want you to appreciate the fact that yes, I work a lot, but the way I have the business set every day, I have to bring in 35,000 a day to cover overhead. So if you're I a teenager, boys, you're be about 15 or 16 years old at this time, correct? Probably yeah, maybe even uh, you know, uh, 67. So yeah, 14, 15 in that time. And, but, but, all business was always shared, meaning he and my mom were always trying to educate us. And so he'd say, you know, look, we've got some great things some beautiful things, but it, 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 it's a machine and we've got to run this and we've got to make it successful. So many people depend on us. So he wasn't looking at it like what we're reaping. He's talking about all the, the mouths we're feeding, the charity stuff he can do, the wrestlers, their family, the secretaries, the TV stations, you know, all of that. And, um, and so he was pushing very hard. And when you thought about it, then it would hit you. Like you go, oh yeah, Tuesday we don't have wrestling or a Friday. And then every time you would hear that, which was not often, <laughs> he, he ran every day uh, for most of the part and, and did like uh, Tulsa and Oklahoma City. They were famous for doing double shots. Mm. But if you think about it, they were in a situation that if they didn't run a town, it was like $35,000, just overhead, right? So you don't run two, that's 70. Well, you got to make up for that. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. There's a lot of political scenes. Louisiana's a huge one. They were a one promoter state. And so when my dad was in there, um, yes, he believes he could beat any competition. He would welcome Vince McMahon to come in the backyard. He knew, he knew in his heart that his product was better. However, Louisiana for long was one promoter. So, uh, state. So guess who wanted to be paid? Yeah. The politicians. Yeah. So now you're having to work with the politicians because the politicians go, oh, we don't care about your TV ratings. We don't care if you're selling out. What's in it for us? So, so we learned so many dynamics of wrestling uh, and, and what it took to be successful. So that was beautiful. So you're right. Every aspect of pro wrestling was in my life except for one. My mother, when she came over here, my dad, he, he goes to play – for the Houston Oilers out of Oklahoma. So when he left out of college, he didn't have his degree because he, because he left college in three years to go pro. Mm. So he went pro. My mom, she came over here, speaks seven languages, but she was doing, she was doing uh, 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 housekeeping this, that, and the other, but then she ended up becoming a, a pretty big time model. And that's how my dad, mom met back up years later. He was headlining New York and my mom was on a billboard and he goes, that's my old girlfriend. Oh, and really? The wrestler, wow. the, the wrestler was like, I can't remember who he was with. I knew I knew this was at the time when he was going, um, um, him and Bruno San Martino were selling out. Mm. And I remember my dad saying the guy's like, yeah, Bill, <laughs> that, that girl you used to date. <laughs> like, no. So then he, he, he got the modeling or the, the billboard and tracked her down. And they actually met back up in New York um uh uh there so she said none of the kids can step foot in the ring minus a college degree right okay yeah that's sensible yeah so joel by the time he stepped in he had gone to university of oklahoma i was playing football in louisville michael wasn't allowed in the ring at the time and he and he was the true heir to to, to cowboy bill watts size and look but he'd just broken his neck at uh 15 years old um, and so they were worried about Steven, uh, excuse me for interrupting, but Eric, uh, Eric told me on our phone call that if you saw Micah from behind at 15, people would confuse him for cowboy bill. Wow. Okay. So he's a big, okay. Big so boy you, okay. Age, yeah. 
you perfect. If you get a chance, have you guys and, and, and forgive me, I don't know where all the episodes are at, but um when when uh my dad did um oh my gosh my dad came back as the um uh when he came under the mask and it was staggerly or jyd and my dad did midnight rider so if you check out the midnight rider video okay you'll see at a time takes off off the masks mask and wipes his hair back like runs his fingers through incredible hair well everyone knew my dad was bald my dad said i want to trick these people they they know it's me the stand-in that they used and then he pointed was my little brother wow (laughs) and and i'm telling you i bet the kid wasn't 15 or 16 he would come the, the wrestlers would come and work out sometimes when they were in town, we had a really nice gym at our house. because My dad was like the world's strongest man in 1967. So, and his, his workouts were just intense, intense. And so, Micah, I remember we would be a leg, leg sled. He's 14 or 15. And um, slap 10 45s on each side. And then tell me, hey, Eric, can you sit on t- top of the stack? The, the, the bars are not long enough for, they can only do 10 plates. <laughs> and so then we would sit on plates pounds, on the top, yeah. and then and then I would sit on top of it. And at that time, I'm only like 200, 215. He he knock out 12, 15 reps. <laughs> uh, and just, he 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 had tree trunk thighs, right? You know. So um, so the deal was, my mom's like, hey, but but Bill, let's look at the let's look at the wrestling. Let's look at the Ganyas. Um uh um, look at the Grams. Look at the Von Erics. Look at Dusty Rhodes. Look at all these people. Uh, uh, Grizzly Smith. They all, as soon as their kids are 16, 17, 18, they're refing or they're in the business. Mm-hmm. And then what happens if they, their career fails? Or what if they have an injury? Where do they go work? What do they mm-hmm. do? And my dad, and because and, my mom and dad were always thinking upper level. And he goes, you're right. And so, um, so I wasn't privy to people ca- calling matches. Uh, I wasn't privy to how they did it because listen, e- even when I was 17, 18 years old, every, every, every um, event I ever went to, there's two dressing rooms. And most of the yeah. time they're clearly on two different sides of the, the freaking building. You never saw a bad guy with a good guy or a baby with a heel, whatever the lingo the people out there know. They separate cars, separate trips. Separate... I never saw anyone talking to each other. So, so understanding and and appreciating the 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 the, the uh, wrestling world, um, there were still some things I wasn't privy to. So um, just before we're going to jump around with the questions, just before Terry Terry slides with that, I've got I've got it's got two two quick follow ups actually. Did did you so in terms of that element? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too behind the curtain here, but were you did you have a suspicion that the the in terms of the outcomes or did you not at all until much later or did, or was it kind of in, in betwixt between kind of thing at that point? Right, right, right. So uh, Phil, we did, did we kind of talk about this, Phil? Yeah, it's kind of, I was kind of asking you, was it a, was it what finding out what kayfabe was, was it a gradual process for you? Did you have questions right. as a young kid and they still, right. I'm sure dad still tried to cover it up, but there was a point yeah. in time that it was a gradual process or how'd that work? Right. So, so I believe it was around 14 years old. I believe my mom asked to meet with me 
and sat down and we sat down and talked and she said, I got to explain something to you. I think you might have an idea or not have an idea, but I need you to let, I, I need to let you know something for certain reasons. Um, wrestling is, we didn't call it entertainment, even though it was entertainment. Yeah. Um, it was because people got injured all the time, yeah. all the time. And, and so she goes, it is predetermined mm. who wins and loses. And I don't even, I don't think I can go back to those emotions and try to figure out what I was thinking. Because mm. even if it was in front of me, I didn't think about it because again, what I'm telling you, my life was so fast. I was doing all these sports and academics and yes, wrestling was a big thing, but wrestling also only came into town every, every three weeks, except for the summer. And if I wasn't at, University of Oklahoma's football camp or Oklahoma Oklahoma State or I was uh, intensified wrestling camp, then I would go on the road and do things. But even when I did on the road, I was selling merch or setting up rings. So I didn't have time to go sit in the locker. And my dad wouldn't have won me because, well, what are you distracting these guys for? And I don't want you around the guys. Not because he was, I don't think because business is business, right? Yeah. So she told she told me because my father was over. Uh, okay. Look at, at 10 years old, my dad brought me in and then Micah. So Micah was eight and a half, nine. And then Joel, he goes, I'm going to explain something to you. This is how you answer. If you hear any questions about wrestling being real or fake, which it blow my mind. If someone does, whether you know them or it's your best friend and they named like what my best friend at the time I remember his name was Brian Ketchum. He goes and and especially if it's your best friend, you beat them into a pool of blood. And if you wow. don't, yeah. I will beat you. I will beat you. And I go, I was, so now I'm like, why would anyone ask me? Hmm. Well, you know, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I never had a friend ask me. I never had a friend. I took friends or I got friends tickets all the time. And so I think maybe it was just a different aura or it was a different effect. I think people, People were so into what was going on that they were just thrilled of being there and experiencing yeah. it. Plus, at my house, occasionally wrestlers would come over. You know, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me, I think I was in second or third grade. And I came to my mom and I said, Mom, listen, I know you talked to us about being humble. And, 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 and um, yes, we got great things, nice things, but, but we've, got to, we've got to care more about others than ourselves. Uh, and we've been blessed. And so don't ever do show and tell. So I was, I wouldn't say allowed, but I would always go, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, I don't have anything. So yeah. it got to me. It got to me. And so I called my mom and said, mom, I, 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 it was after school. And dad said, mom, show and tell is coming up, you know, in a few weeks. And, and, and dad's never in town. I want to take dad to show and tell. Hmm. And she goes, when, when show and tell, find out. So I found out, I came back and gave a day. And she goes, Eric, let me tell you something. I, I'm going to check his schedule. I think he's busy that day. She goes, but you know what? You've done so well. You deserve a show and tell. So you go ahead and let them know that you're going to, to, to introduce something for show and tell. And I'm going to get something there for you. And I said, really? I'm like, yeah. So I remember, you know, the, the schools, they got those skinny glass you know, by the door, you know, the, that, that big where they can peek in, you know, but other than that, you can't see in the classes and, you know, the like, Eric, so you got something for show and tell. And I'm like, looking, I see, and I see my mom do, doing a thumbs up. I'm like, yes, I do. And I come up there and she goes, well, uh, introduce your show and tell. I said, okay. I said, mom. And all of a sudden the door opens and a fro 
comes in and ducks under the door and it's Andre the Giant. Oh, wow. Wow. So I'm sitting there. Where's it? What school is this I'm, at, I'm, Eric? I'm, where is this at? Where is this at? This is, at, this is in Bixby, Oklahoma. Okay. In, in, in elementary school. Elementary okay. school. Okay. And so so I'm sitting there and here, here he comes. And it was the coolest thing. Um, what had happened is my dad, uh, Andre would always talk about my dad's cowboy boots. Okay. And so, so he's like, Oh boss, I really like your boots, you know? And so my favorite, my dad's favorite, and he's got all kinds are ostrich. Right. So I think he was going to get some Lucchese or Tony Lama ostrich boots for him. And, uh, Drysdale's is Drysdale still in Oklahoma and also the big country West. So, so my dad went and ordered, um, 23 quadruple E's for Andre. Well, at, he was he was flying in Andre to present him with these boots that he got him just as like a just to say hey I love you buddy you know good job and uh, and so that's why he was in town so my mom hooked it up that the that that would be the same time and so the show and tell and he was awesome he pulled off his what would be your wedding ring finger um, yeah. pulled that uh, ring off and had a silver dollar in his pocket and we put the silver dollar through the ring I've seen um, that on promos. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 um he, he sat down and, and and just was one of us the coolest thing about it was right after show and tell was lunch and if you guys remember yeah. elementary schools right you, they would take you into like the center of the school and there's hundreds of kids and you're sitting at those big tables with the plastic seats you know yeah. and and the cafeteria was right there <laughs> and andre said can I have lunch with you? And so wow. they pulled an extra table. He sat on the table and leaned over, eating all four of these t- trays. I think he ate like 10 of them, you know? And um, it was one of the coolest things ever. Oh, sure. uh, and, and, to, and, and to tell you a funny story, right? So my dad bought those boots, and I don't know if they're still in Drysdale's, but he called up uh, Drysdale's and said, Man, we got a problem. They go, What's wrong? They go, the boots are too small. They were too small. Uh-huh. So they got, a, they got another pair. But from what I understand, they, my dad sold them back like three or four times the price. And they put them in a case and said, Andre's boots are too boots. small. Yeah. And they said, it became one of the, they said it became one of the biggest draws in that store's history. People would come by to take pictures of the boots and stuff. So I don't know if that's still happening or around, but it was really cool. That's incredible. I think I, I don't know if you read on the the Andre the Giant book about the the recent one Pat LaProd brought out is one of the best wrestling books I've ever read. And, he, and I know that from that he was very fond of children. And there's lots of stories about you know the Vince's kids and various other people and everything. So that's just what I, I mean. That's about as good a show or tell as it you ever possibly could get, really, isn't it? I think but, it's just quite incredible. But he, he he would do anything for my dad. Yeah, but... and um and if I. Someday, when we have more time, let, let's do it. I, I can tell you like two or three Andre Giant stories that would just blow you away. <laughs> and I actually, um, he did, he died, uh, I don't know how soon after, one of the last appearances he did for my dad at center stage when my yeah. dad was at WCW. And I remember my dad, yeah. I hadn't seen Andre the Giant in, I mean, probably... 10 years 12 years i'm at wcw and my dad's like go to cnn uh center and um i got i'm at the hotel there and get andre he needs to come down i said okay and um so i get, I get there 
and go to the hotel. And they're like, no, he's checked out. And I'm like, God, where would he be at 10 30, 11 o'clock? I'm like, why are you asking yourself? So I found the bar <laughs> and, and Andre, Andre, when he would go drink, he wanted to keep all his empties up on the bar when to keep count of what he's drinking and not drinking. And Show so off. I come and I see that fro and I see, you know, the, um, uh, the crutches, you know, that you put on your arm to help walk. Cause at that time he was needing kind of assistance. They were sitting up against the bar. He had a huge jacket beside him and he was just sitting there and you could just see the, see the big old hair. And it was just him. And, uh, I came up and, and the bartender looked at me because you're here for Andre. I go, yes. And I said, Eric Watts. He goes, Oh, can we go Watson, son? Yeah. I said, yeah. I said, well, Andre, I said, you've been here for a while. He goes, uh, you know, like, I don't know what he said, 30 minutes. He had 13 bottles of wine that were empty. Wow. <laughs> 13 bottles. And, and I said, uh, my dad needs, he goes, boss needs me. I go, yeah, he goes, take me to boss. I, he got on his trip, just walked right out of there, got him in the car, took the center stage. And that's the last time I ever saw him. Uh, yeah. But he was just, a, he was a gentle giant. That was around, I guess that had been around Clash of the Champions 20. I think it was a thing for the um, TBS's 20th anniversary of wrestling on TBS Crikey. 20, that's mad. That's that's the 20 year anniversary in 92. And obviously it's going to be back on TBS later this year. Um, one quick question for me before, um, before Terry jumps in with his first one. Did you feel like, because the family was so sort of immersed in the business, that you could be a fan at the same time while you were growing up of, of pro wrestling? Or was it just like... This is the family business. I've got this, this, and this to do. What was what was that like? Uh, I'm going to uh, well, okay. So l- l- let me be careful with terms, right? So so whether people know fans as fans, I was beyond a fan. Yeah, yeah. I was a mark for the business. Like I was, I was completely immersed in it w- when I watched it. I loved it. But the craziest thing about it is, my favorite wrestler was my father. Hmm. And, 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 and let me tell you what, he wasn't my favorite father. That's <laughs> a joke. Okay. He's the only father, but my say, he like, he was not the easiest man in the world, but hmm. it was clear when I would go watch him wrestle and the things he would do that by far, he was my favorite wrestler um, to watch favorite booker, favorite promoter. As I, I learned more and more about the business, it, it, it was, it was phenomenal. So I tell people even now, you know, it's kind of crazy when you're growing up like that. I've never been starstruck by anyone mm. ever. I play, I, I, I got so many really famous friends and I'm so blessed to have them, but I, I never went crazy to meet them because they were just another person. Yeah. And I think that's because I was around so many bigger than life people growing up. Uh, so, so that was a, that was a different aspect, but I can honestly tell you the time I got to sit down with Brett, the Hitman Hart, and, and, and at his house uh, after some matches in Canada about what he meant to me as a wrestler because I said I said Brett it doesn't matter who you wrestle I can I can if it's a 10 minute match or an hour and a half match I can take it and dissect it and watch it over and over and learn something it doesn't matter if you're against Davy Boy Smith or against a absolute nobody mm-hmm. right and then you could just sit and, and and so those were some of my gr- fondest memories Ricky the Dragon Steve but sitting down and talking to these guys like I lose myself watching these people that truly know the art of Shakespeare and, and, and yeah. pro wrestling. And they, and they all have the same thing. They eat it, breathe it, live it. 
Every it's, one of them. It's real to those guys, isn't it? You ask Bret Hart. This is the thing. I'm not jumping on a, ta- on a tangent here, but no one ever says. No one ever says about. Oh, I don't like spy- the Spider-Man movies because it's not real. So why is right. that ever a thing about? I know that wrestling it, this time is very different to, to now in terms of how it's presented and yeah. protected, etc. Yeah. But I never really understood that. It's like, well, everyone, what I was like, do you watch? Do you ever watch any fiction, or do you watch? You know, do you watch soap operas? Do you watch dramas? Because that's all it is in a different form. So yeah, I always find it's, it's a bit of a str- oh, I, I I don't like that because this this and it's like, well, do you not have any imagination? I don't, I don't really get well, it. Well, I, I, like I, listen, I I I I got immersed in it once I went to uh, here. Because by the time I got here, you know, l- l- let me tell you something I never heard of in my life. I never heard of any um, uh, dirt sheets in my life, not 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 growing up. I-, I didn't know what a dirt sheet was until I got to WCW. I'm like, how interesting! This, okay. this, this is the most disgusting, like, you know, crazy. Like, who are these people that have never gotten the ring in their life critiquing someone else and then giving out personal information about them and this, mm. that, and the other, you know? So, so the, the, the the reverence for wrestling changed quite a bit. I'm not saying there wasn't dirt sheets back then. I'm just saying that, that it was so wide open and so different by the time I got to wrestling that I had so many people say stupid stuff to me and I've always been a heel my whole life. So it was just so easy for me to answer. Like I tell guys like, you know, I I don't, I I don't, you know, I don't watch the fake stuff. I go, you've never seen your, you've never seen your wife naked because she wasn't born with those double D's. Let, let, let's start, let's start there. So you don't, you don't like anything fake in your life, but is that her blonde hair? Yeah. Oh no, it's not. Okay. I was, well, no, I mean, just wrestling's fake. No, no. You know what? You know what you hate is that before you met your girl, you had wrestling to your own. Now your girl loves it as much as you. You've got to share it. So you hate her. Don't hate pro wrestling. I I want you to hate me. You know why? I've seen you and your girlfriend at the events, and she comes to see me. <laughs> that's, that's a good heel move, good right stuff. there. Yeah, good stuff. So, well, you, there's. I mean, I mean, you got you know, like people that know how to say something, they can say something and it not be offensive. It's the people that go out of their way. Well, one of my favorites is like, I don't see how you watch that. What? Wrestling? Yeah, it's so fake. I go, what do you watch? And I swear to God, I've had guys go, uh, General Hospital. I go, hold on. You watch a soap opera, you know, about doctors and stuff, and you're calling wrestling fake? You know, and, and, and that's the one thing that I hate using the term fake because there's nothing fake about pro wrestling. I completely you, agree. You do, yeah. You don't, you don't fake gravity. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, uh, the, the punch is punch, the land, land. And this is what I love telling people that. I, I get some guys coming up to me and they're always going to try to get something going, but I was pretty good at shutting it down. And Hey, you, you do that fake stuff. I go, yeah, you won't believe it. Okay. Because then Ted Turner, he sends me every two weeks, this check <laughs> and it's got like five, five fucking different numbers on it. And none of them are sense. And I cash that fake thing into my fake account, which bought me my fake Rolex. That was $52,000. But if you don't like that, why don't I just fake whoop your ass? <laughs> Well, I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. You, you didn't have to get mad about it. Yeah, you did mean it that way. Yeah, you did mean it that way. Now so you don't, so, but you did. You did at the start. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen and I have Stephen and I have discussed this before, and yes, you absolutely can enjoy it now. You can enjoy a television drama now. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to explain to him how magical the days of kayfabe were when everybody yeah. was bought in. Now I can go watch a stage production of a show and realize that stage production live is harder to do than a movie set because on a movie set, you can cut, you can reshoot. 
Right. But you still got a backstage and you're only got one wall. The wrestling ring in the center is even harder to put on yeah. that stage production because you got people on all four sides, right? Yeah. And you can watch it and enjoy it. But just like when you leave any other sporting event now, if you go to the Super Bowl and watch, those winners really won. In the days of kayfabe, when everybody's trying to make us believe that was a real event. Now, if I watch a stage production now, I can stand up and applaud and give them a standing ovation because it was good. Yeah. But the outcome meant nothing. It's done. Right. It's over. In the days of kayfabe, you believed that really happened. That outcome was, was the real deal. And they would defend, even if you had your suspicions, they never broke it. And it was just a different time. Hmm. And the link they would go to when we, when we cover episode 300 later on in the show, I will tell you how far they go. Cause look at Hacksaw Jim Duggan's face. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. Because from Great what, because from what I remember that, that dudes, you guys bless me so much. You send me the episode, I watch it, and there's a few times I, I got choked up. Like, yeah. I didn't even know why. The, the emotions, I'm like, oh, my gosh, and oh, my gosh. And, and, and some of it was like, you know, Brad Armstrong was one of my better friends. He, 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 he was such a beautiful, wonderful person, and he could wrestle so good, and he would meet me. I didn't give a shit what day, what time to work on moves at a house in a ring. He, he just, he just loved the sport so much. Right. So some of that stuff, but then seeing some of the guys in Duke and just reminding me, man, like, like from, I don't know, but, but tell me this, wasn't that where, didn't that hacksaw his face being that way? Wasn't it from one of like Akbar's uh, firebombs Cigar. or something? Yeah. Like that? Akbar burnt him in a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so, so what a lot of people don't understand, my dad was not going to, uh, he was going to do all he could do to protect, to protect the business, right? So I, rem I, re I remember um, Terry Taylor, I think it was one time, and, and, and Dugan's had it done. And, you know, the fire come and, and like the fireball, Akbar would do a fireball occasionally, and then they would hit him with towels to cover their face. Well, then they would get him all the way back to the dressing room. And so then what, what they would do is they would usually have a block with – 220 grit sandpaper and just start scratching all oh, the skin off the person's I've face. Heard that. If they if, if they didn't have the if they didn't I, I, I it, it's brutal but if they didn't they would take um towels and hold you down and and like twist your face with a towel and just bust you and just rip your skin you know boom 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 all there because how could a fireball hit your face and not leave a mark. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's how far it took me back to when um, my dad is the one that told me. I'm like, Dad, you know, you know, because I got partial cauliflower ears and stuff like that from amateur wrestling so much. And I'm like, Dad, man, I see some of these guys, man, they, they got the worst cauliflower ears. And I said, and they're they're tough guys, but I can just tell that they weren't ever like great amateur wrestlers. He goes, Eric, no, that'll, no, you got to understand. Back in the day, <laughs> he goes back in the day. To, to make some of the guys look tougher, they would lay them down and they would take uh, uh, Coca-Cola bottles, the real thick Coca-Cola bottles, and hold the guy's head and pound his ears till they bleed and, and they keep on doing it until they close up to have cauliflower ears so that they could say they're, they were incredible fighters and amateur wrestlers. I'm like, what? I mean, like, I don't even like my little bit of cauliflower. I said, you do what? And they go, yeah, they beat you in the head with, with the Coke wow. bottles. I'm like, fantastic talk about <laughs> suffering suffering for your art there isn't it really yeah, yeah, so, yeah but, but you see you, you see some of these you see some of these actors though which are pretty 
pretty impressive too when you see someone gain like 70 freaking pounds just to look fat and overweight and then they'll they'll rip it back off just to get in that character like those guys that will go over the top to do things like that or, or lose horrible weight you know to look like uh uh they're they're deathly ill hey they they do it for their they do it for their uh sure. business mm -hmm. all right so so let me jump in guys um you know so i think eric i think you and i about the same age i was born in 67 and uh and I think it was the perfect time for me because I was in high school from 81 to 85 when Mid-South was friggin', you know, amazing. And so yes. we would go to municipal auditoriums on Monday nights. And so, uh, of course, I had my favorites and people don't understand how over the Junkyard Dog and Duggan and, and those guys were. It was friggin', I mean, I remember a poll in New Orleans one time where it was Pistol Pete Maravich, Archie Manning, and a Junkyard Dog. And Junkyard Dog was more popular than those guys. Uh, oh. So I, I guess where I'm going with it, and I know you had a little different perspective, but as a, as a young guy in high school, I know you were working around the arenas and doing that. What wrestlers were, you said your dad was your favorite, but what were some of those yeah. guys that you just had to stop and say, I got to watch a little bit of this dude's match? Right, right, right. Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to answer that. Um, what well, took me back in time, New Orleans, WCW, it was a lot of times I was blessed enough in this industry to wrestle people. I, I thought were great. some of my favorites. Yeah. And so one of my first matches, if not the first match I had in New Orleans, uh, was the municipal off Vucre, right in it. Vucre yeah. is the yeah, street right course. there. Right. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm remembering, I can smell it. It, man i've been there so many times as a kid and and in walks grizzly and goes hey you're semi-main today I, i'm like i'm i'm, I'm kind of brand new he goes we got to put you semi-main you know coming back in i go who do i got and he goes tony atlas i go why i mean and tony, and tony comes up and he goes hey brother this is what we're gonna do baby and i'm gonna make you look good i'm like what you're gonna make me look good <laughs> like, like, in my, my mind just went boom which is but i mean i was like i cannot process this shit um it, it, it was it was so awesome um but you, you're asking the question about who some of the other wrestlers were what was really what was really different for me um there were wrestlers that stained my brain on certain things uh, uh buzz buzz sawyer right um, um, the interviews and with the chain and he would start frothing from the mouth and then he would start hitting himself in the head with the chain and bleeding down his face and screaming and then all of a sudden they cut and you go hey Bill was that okay or you, you need me to shoot it <laughs> he's just like but you know I'm like Okay, I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with this guy you know there, 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 there's issues with this guy there's problems you know um, um, there were there were um uh, many people that it was just different, but then going to what you were saying, as I was a junior and senior, I actually started communicating with a few people that for some reason I was like, man, I, I like their look and this is going to be tough here. And, and they're going to have issues here with some of the other guys, but I want to just see what happens. And I got to tell you, one that I, I had, I, I got to know him and had a bond with him so that even when he was at WCW, uh, I would go down in Louisville and hang out and uh, meet him before the matches and, and watch him was Sting, you know? So oh, wow, yeah. And, and I just related with him. I'm like, dude, 
you know, bleach blonde hair, you know, like Boz. You know, I mean, here we are in Oklahoma. I said, right, and, the, and, right. the, and the paint, and I and and I did. I, I I would sometimes sit with him, and he'd be doing the paint stuff, and 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 you could tell he was at that time not really comfortable with it. Now he can do ninety different cool things without even thinking about it, right? But he's doing the art, and he's doing this, and and he was, you know, him, and and it was Helwig, The Rock you know, uh, because they were the Blade Runners. Mm. Uh, and and they both had tremendous heat for the way they looked, Hellwig for the way he acted, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Um, uh, but then uh, but then all the, 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 the badasses, you know, I mean, Steve, Dr. Death Williams, good gosh, Hacksaw, Jim Dugan. I mean, I remember, um, <laughs> I think I was down at the... Uh, uh, the boys auditorium, you know, uh, Irish um, McNeil. I was going to ask if you uh, were, Irish McNeil, right. You did and set I up some was, matches there and things, right. You did in yeah, the early days, you had to set up yeah. the rings and stuff there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I did a little bit of everything. Right. So I remember, uh, I think it was there. I came in and Hacksaw Jim Duncan had a black eye. His nose across his arch was cut open. It was bruised. And, and I mean, everyone knew Hacksaw as an animal, right. And so I came up, I said, oh, Mr. Dugan, what, what happened? He goes, son, <laughs> he, he, he's got these bottle glass. I don't know if people know. He's, he's like legally blind. Mm, so if he night. doesn't, oh, his glasses are as thick as like one inch glass. It's, mm. it's brutal. And so he said, well, let me tell you what happened. And this is, this is good for you to understand. So I was at the bar last night <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can hear my dad come in and the, all the boys were kind of turning around. I guess maybe I asked the question that no one else asked because it just happened the night before. And I'm like, um, I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, well, there's a Maldi kid just running his mouth in there and I'm having some beers. And I, so I kind of looked at him like, Hey, why don't you just, you know, pipe your ass down he said and the guy goes you know he goes uh something like he goes well why don't you make me and he said so i stood up and i said buddy you have met the wrong situation on the wrong day he goes and then i got hit in the face about 15 times <laughs> he goes, i don't know if the guy because i don't know if the guy was a boxer or what he goes i have never been hit so many times in sh such a short span he goes he goes and they didn't really hurt because I, I can eat a punch. He goes, but he knocked off my glasses. So now I'm standing there. I'm trying to box with this kid. And he goes, I'm not really a boxer, but if you want to box, we'll box. And he goes, I'd swing. And, but, but I was seeing three people because I'm so blind. He goes, I'd miss. I'm like, son of a bitch, miss. He's like, <laughs> so he, he's like, so this kid is just like peppering him. He said, so finally he, he, he reached out and kind of grabbed the kid. And, the, and, and he grabbed the guy on the side of the face and he was trying to get him into him. Well, the guy bit his finger and he goes, he goes, and son, that's when I go, now I got you. He goes, I beat him. He was in a pool of blood. You know, I beat him to death. He goes, never bite a blind man's finger because then they can find you. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what? You know, like that was the whole moral of the story. I'm thinking to myself, is this really happening to me? You know, but then I was like, well, that makes me feel better because really I didn't think many people, you know, like Hacksaw Jim Dugan was a, was a beast. And, and um, uh, the, the, the night that uh, John Nord, the, the barbarian uh, and uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed, when they got in a fight in the back, um, it was in Tulsa. 
and um, which they both got fined for. So come back after the match, and then they got they got words. And you know, I've I've seen a lot of fights in my life. Man, these guys squared off. And when I'm telling you they stood toe to toe and were punching each other in the face, it sounded like I don't know how like it, it sounded like the biggest boat paddle hitting a side of beef. Like it just like wow. it, it, it was it was the shots were incredible and they were wobbling. They were wobbling. And here comes my dad. And um, and he's just he's he's mad he's pissed and they're going and going. Well, Nord got the best of Butch, which I think everyone was thinking that Butch, you know, hands would would do it, and nailed him. And um, he was on top of him, and uh, Reed jabbed his thumb right in his eye and and had it pretty deep. He goes, "I'll pull it out, mother." And Nord said, "Stop, stop, stop!" And my dad got up and he goes, "You." Well, you can imagine what he said. He goes, you woman, you little right. person. Are you kidding me? Someone puts a thumb in your eye and you stop? You had him down. He goes, first things first, I pay you guys to fight out there. Yeah. If you guys were that pissed off, why didn't you do that fight out there? Your match sucked. You know, or, you know, like he was going off on him. You know, he's like, he's a, he's a second. He goes, no one makes any money with a fight back here. You know, and he goes, and, and if I knew my two beasts, uh, uh, one would stop by maybe losing an eye, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. and, and both those guys the next day looked horrible, man. They, they just they looked horrible. So um, there was just some, you know, the, all the way to, you know, Dusty Rhodes coming at the house, um, Dick Murdoch. I, I remember, I remember uh, uh, the police. The police uh, um, uh, were out, out and my dad and Dusty had been drinking. And so they decided that they would get in my dad's truck and, and they were going to go shoot up uh, uh, road signs. So they, they put some shotguns and some 44s and stuff in the car and I, no one knew. And then, so they're going down shooting road signs, right? And so the police get called about some, some shit going off and so uh they're like bill you 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 you, you can't be doing this it's, you know, it's highly illegal my dad's like oh you know and he's like come on i'm gonna follow you home so we see dad and dusty coming out and and um and uh uh here's the cops right and my mom comes out she's like oh my gosh officer what's going on they go well dusty and bill decide they want to go shoot up some roads I <laughs> hey we'll buy them we'll pay for them we're so sorry and he goes, well, you know, I just didn't want anyone to get hurt. And my mom said, uh, my mom, my mom said, well, thank God you saved Bill because he stuck that gun in his pants. He might have shot his pecker off. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm outside going, is this how conversations go when you get pulled over for shootings? <laughs> you know, so uh, so we lived in a small town, and you know, everyone knew each other, and 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 it was the wild, wild west. My dad was always a huge, huge, huge. Um, he was a huge. Uh, person backing all, all police officers. Um, my, my dad was a rebel. Um, my dad had a thing where um, any any officer that takes down a person in a robbery that has committed a robbery, he would donate, I forgot how many cases of ammo and some money. Oh, something. really? Wow. Okay. He's like, hell, you know, we need, to, we need to reward these guys. They're, 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 they're putting their life on the line all the time, you know? And, and so he, he, he was big time, you know, 
uh, advocate for security and safety. And mm -hmm. so he, I mean, as far as the police, you know, uh, serving and I'm thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, thank God. Thank gosh. These guys love you. Cause <laughs> you'd be in jail. Um, Dick Murdoch and those guys. I mean, they just, just that there's so many, I mean, there's just, there's just so many because I believe, and I've been in a lot of locker rooms. I don't think I've ever seen a tougher roster. Now, now, w, now I will say WCW, for a, a glimmer of time, had some beasts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner. And, you know, you, you, had some, you had some tough guys. But I don't think any locker room, man for man, could have stood up when there was Doc and Dugan and, and Buzz and, and, and um, uh, so many people, so, so many people. Uh, uh, were so tough. So you had a lot, a lot of very confident guys um, and they're all characters and they all had um, uh, very competitive because so many of them came out of sports. I mean, Dugan came from SMU, right? You right. know, I mean, he, he played it. He played at SMU. Dr. Dusty Williams. I went and watched him four time All-American amateur wrestling. He only lost in the Nationals to Bum Gardner, which was our Olympic freaking champion. And then he played four straight years, University of Oklahoma. People thought like if you used to see Doc, he had one or two big scars on his eye eyebrows. Right. He had these big, thick eyebrows. People thought that was from wrestling. It wasn't. I can't tell you how many times he'd be, you know, uh, uh, blocking someone and his helmet would go off and he would still block and headbutt people. He'd come on the sidelines of college football games, just bleeding down his face, like, yeah, and raising his helmet and putting it back on. I'm like, you know, so there was animal after animal after animal in that locker room. And, and I think it gave it a real ambiance. Like everyone was checking everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. And, and, then, and, then there, and then there was Terry Taylor. <laughs> Terry, Terry, Terry used to tell me he goes I'm going to explain something to you Eric <laughs> he goes you can beat me up I don't even want anyone to think that I can beat them up you know why that's how people get beat up he goes Here, here's my gimmick I'm good looking Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes so I'm going to try to do that he goes but if one of those guys say they're better looking I'll tell him they are. Because, <laughs> right. and, and Terry, That's smart. Terry That's a smart have, guy right there. Terry would have me in stitches, man. In stitches. In stitches. Um, just a just a quick one. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna dive off my stuff very quickly because you mentioned Sting, and I just had a quick look out of interest on um, Cage Match. I don't know if you're familiar with that website. It's just got lists of matches of people that have had with various people, which is great. And I've just spotted that your pay per view debut, and this is an incredible four people, which I've just thrown on the WWE Network in the background, was Steve Williams and Sting. I mean, crikey, what a mid south connection there. Teaming up against yeah. you. this is at Starcade '92 yeah. against you yeah. and Jushin Thunder Liger, Liger. in the Battle Bowl, <laughs> Lethal Lottery. I mean, how do you? How does that end up happening? Bro, <laughs> what were the nerves like bump. before that? Chill, but and, and, and so here's the, here's the deal on that. Like, like <clears> literally, <throat> that was that was back where Cowboy Bill Watts was bringing the old school back, right? Mm. So literally. I think I found out not too long before we had to hit the ring and, <laughs> and Jushin Lager doesn't speak any English. So it's not like we were talking about. And I was just, I was just so excited. I'm like, Steve, my whole, you know, not my whole life, but you know, man, you know, came and talk, when you're in Louisville, we would hang out, we would talk. 
you know, the days uh, of, of Mid-South and Universal Wrestling. And, and plus, you know, Joel, Joel, my brother, he was a producer, head producer for a year, year and a half at TBS, mm. you know, with WCW before he went to Vince. And, and so, so my brother would also come in on these uh, shows sometimes of his TV to Louisville. So I'd see my brother Joel and I'd be Sting and Rick Steiner. But again, like I said, me and Sting had a really good connection. And uh, so I'm like, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. this is crazy. I, I yeah. never thought I would, uh, you know, wrestle with you. I said, I said, but I said, you're so famous that I'm, I, I'm a young, you know, like, you know, hope to be, you know, one day you, but I'm a baby face. Yeah. I said, you, you got any, you know, you got any uh, uh, thoughts? He goes, yeah, just, just tag in and out uh, as fast as possible. And it's just you and me so that you get more time with Doc so that you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about worry about the baby face, baby face dynamic. Yeah. Who, who would do that other than someone that just really cares who would do it? No one would do No one would care. Bret Hart. When I first got to WWE, I didn't know Bret. I knew of Bret. I know the lion's den. I know Stu. I know that. I I, I know, I know of Owen. But I didn't know them personally. As soon as I walked in, man, I was saying hi to everybody. He made sure he caught me in 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 uh, backstage where no one else could see me. He said, "Let me explain something to you. Anything you need, you let me know. Yeah. Anytime." Th- he goes, "Anytime you want to work out, let me know. I'll show up hours before the match." He he literally would come show up two, three, four hours to show, it, to, to to roll around. Yeah. You know, so so it's 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 um. That's uh, a world Mosh. champion right there, isn't it? And a company man, and you know, I I, I just love Bray, one of my all time favorites, and he's one I really believed in. He talks about it being real. You know, I grew up on early late eighties, early nineties WWF, and he was, you know, he was just yeah. such a big thing for me growing up in terms of my hero. Really, well, yeah. Any anyone that could wrestle the British Bulldog for as long as he did at Wembley Stadium and make British look like he could actually wrestle is amazing. Do you know what, Eric? That was my first ever live show. And I, I was so torn because, you know, obviously British Bulldog's a country, a country man of mine. Right. And, but I had Bret Hart sunglasses on, so I was very torn that night. So I was like, what am I going to do here? <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, so on that match, okay, on that night, it was me, Missy Hyatt, Jim Ross, my father, we were up at um, Crown Plaza um, and watching the pay-per-view. Wow. Okay, so my yeah. dad's like, hey. Let, let. And so I was just like a kid in a candy shop, wait, you know, because I, I wait for Missy to say something stupid. And I'm like, okay, that's Missy. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then but then I, I was just waiting to hear Jim and dad talk, right? Yeah. And it was more like Jim would say something to see how dad was going to react, right? And, um, and, uh, so we're watching, and and I remember them. I'm, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, so my, my dad, Undertaker. I love Undertaker, right? I love Undertaker. He's been the greatest. Like, and I remember my dad when he first watched him. He sat there, and uh, after Undertaker's match, he, he goes back and he goes, "That is the most incredible entrance and exit I've ever seen." Yeah. Too bad he wrestled in between. <laughs> I go, oh God. Yeah. He was just, he was just giving it a hard time. Like, you know, it was, it's so overwhelming and all this other stuff. So, so, um, so we're here and, and it's Davey and, and, and Brad and the match is going and going and going and going. And, and I'm just kind of waiting to see what, but at the end he goes, 
best match of the night. He goes, Brett has got to be the top worker in the business right now. And I said, Dad, it was an incredible match. Why are you? How did you come to that conclusion? He goes, anyone that could draw, drag that overstuffed steroid piece of shit, British Bulldog, around the room <laughs> <Wow>. that long, <laughs> he goes, he's got to be the greatest worker in the world. I was like, oh, no. Well, he'd been oh, off as well, yeah. hadn't he? And Brett talks about that in his book. Brett talks about what some of the things that Davey had been up to that summer. And it wasn't it wasn't training for a wrestling match. So, yeah. No, yeah. no and, and, and what's crazy, okay? So what's crazy is, so I get up to WWE and, and we're up there. And then Brett's like, hey, if you ever want, you know, need anything. So now we're in Canada wrestling and we're in his hometown. And he comes up to me and says, hey, I'm going to invite a few guys by and uh for drinks and i said okay and so it was me jeff jarrett uh road dog and brett so yeah. we go to this house and when i say you know indoor pool all cedar uh just beautiful house and we we're pounding the drinks and the drinks got stronger and stronger to the point where like i was like hey bourbon and coke and i drank one of it and his wife didn't put any coke in it at all <laughs> and it was a tall glass and i and i go I got to pour this out. And Jared's like, oh, you can't do that. I said, bullshit. I'm going to find a plant. He goes, what if you kill the plant? I go, oh, does he have a fake plant? You won't so be there when him, it dies. Is- so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we're sitting there and Brett's like, Eric, you know, what, what, uh, uh, you know, because he had all the cool chairs, you know, the front row chairs and yeah, all this yeah. other stuff in there. And he goes, you want to watch some wrestling? And I go, yeah. And he goes, what match do you want to see? I go, there's one I really want to sit down and listen to you, uh, what you're thinking. He goes, what's that? I said, Wembley Stadium. He goes, oh, wow. I wanted to watch that match. So now we're sitting there and we're watching with Brett the Hitman Hart talking and Jeff Jarrett, which is a phenomenal worker, yep. a phenomenal worker, road dog and all his experience and, and, and what he knows. And we're sitting there. So his wife, his wife comes and brings these filet mignons, right? And we are starving. But I'm also just about to throw up because I know I have, I have alcohol poisoning at this time. I'm like, I am like, Ugh. And I go to cut the steak. I don't, I guess, I guess she was drunk too. I don't know if she ever, like, other than a grill mark, there was nothing. It was like, it was like bloody <laughs> red. I'm like, okay. I was like laughing. And so I'm like, I got to sit there and listen to the greatest commentary in the world. Well, I almost died on a steak and drinking bourbon, but it, it was, it was like nothing else. Cause I'm thinking to myself, cause I never said anything. My dad said, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I watched this with Jim Ross and Cowboy Bill Watts. Now I'm sitting here with Brad Hart watching it, getting his, you know, commentary, what's going on. And Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog. I mean, in, in Canada, yeah. how can you make that up? Yeah, cool stuff ever. Just, just incredible. Um, so just go, go back onto Mid South. What? Who are some of your? I mean, we've probably touched a little bit of some of this before, but we'll um, we'll just move forward through these questions before we do the episode. So, can you remember any any particular feuds or matches in in that kind of eighty four, eighty five, or even before that that kind of stand out from that Mid South as some of your some of your sort of favorites? You know the. The deal with, you know, Junkyard Dog um, when he lost the match and came back is uh, Staggerly. Mm. Um, and it wasn't the feud. It was being in New Orleans and all the little towns I got to go outside of there and see the fans. Yeah, I mean, to understand how much he meant to those fans, you cannot 
reproduce it. You'd have to go in a time capsule and see. He was like a hero. He was like a super hero. And so when he came back to Stagger League, the fans knew that they had the person back. You know, because the wind was kind of out of the state. It sounds like people were like junkyard dogs gone, right? And then and then he comes back. So to see the people um, uh, react to that was amazing. To 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 um, to see you know my dad in the Midnight Rider. You know yeah. uh, when when he did that, that was amazing. Um, to see, um, oh my gosh, um, the involvement of when the Russians got so big and left my dad laying in blood with the Russian flag over him. Uh, you know, because right there was the height of the the the, the fear of the Cold War. You know, yes. Cuba and Russia, and and my dad was so brilliant. He's like, okay, let's put together some Russians, and, and they can come. You know, you know, and, and and Dugan, you know, being Mr. America and all this other stuff. So so seeing the feuds of that, but again, I got to see it double time. So I got to actually go to packed out arenas. And I would usually try to get some kind of like entrance way. And I oh, try to back up yeah. when the, I try to back up just a little bit when the lights went down and then I would watch the match a little bit and then just watch the people and, and just the, you know, it, the way they would chant USA or the way people would cry when, when, when someone's hurt or scream or cheer um, to, to be able to watch the reaction to what was happening is, is some of the greatest things I ever ever got to experience um man that's a i would have to I'll, you know what? i'll dust up on that one the next time i'm on uh because yeah, there's, there's great, so yeah. many, there, there, there 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 was an odd one too where in oklahoma city at the the myriad in oklahoma city yep. who was it? it was dugan or someone someone dressed up it was during a fair like a fair time and someone put on a bear outfit one of the wrestlers did and came out and no one knew it was a wrestler and started beating the guy up the, <laughs> the bear off. Did, do you guys remember that? It was like, was it? Was you it remember that, that, uh, do you remember was, that, guys? Duggan with the gorilla suit. Uh, Hacksaw Duggan in the gorilla suit. Duggan with the gorilla suit. Duggan with the gorilla suit. Yeah, for a thousand dollars, you win, man. Yeah, that, that was, I was like, even me, okay? Because the Oklahoma City Tulsa would be tough sometimes because from what I remember, Oklahoma City would run at, one or two, I believe, and then Tulsa would be at seven, and and they're they're only they're only an hour apart, realistically, hour and fifteen apart, whatever. And um, so we would get out early, Oklahoma City, to put the ring up, right, and then and then the ring goes down and it's stored. But in between that time, sometimes when that show, the end, the 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 main event, a lot of guys would leave because you weren't allowed to leave before the show was over. Well, sometimes they had to release the guys to head down to Tulsa. And then sometimes it'd be where I would be down and, hey, Eric, can you run back to Oklahoma City and grab one or two of the guys, and, you know, and, and bring them down? So it was it was a very tight, tight time frame. And I remember, you know, Sunday, it's still a school night. And sometimes I wouldn't get the ring back into the uh, the the storage place till one thirty two in the morning. And um, I remember seeing this. <laughs> I'm like, there, I, I didn't know. I did, again, not being in the know. I was like, what's this gorilla coming so close to the ring for? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm thinking about like, my dad's really letting this fair advertised on the show. <laughs> the gorilla, the gorilla, like, the working gorilla. Like, yeah. I lost it. I swear to God, I lost it. I'm like, who even thought of that? You know, who thought about it? Um, 
uh, Jerry Reed, when my dad brought Jerry Reed in to sing yeah. at the t- Tulsa Fairgrounds, and I think he brought in uh, the, the Bigfoot, you know, because um, I think Bigfoot, I think it was hot because uh, had Roadhouse happened yet or something like that, but Bigfoot was a pretty big deal, you know, the truck. And then I remember they put, uh, uh, they swung a, a little bench underneath it. And I can't remember. I think, I think, uh, my, I think my dad and Dusty were tagging and my dad's like, uh, come on, we, uh, put the bench. He goes, baby, I'm driving this truck. <laughs> my dad's like, bullshit. I don't want to die. He goes, get in the back cowboy. And, 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 and Jerry Reed plays, so uh, you know, um, the concert afterwards and to see what a fan he was to see, you know, like, like when my dad calls up ZZ top and, and he's not calling to say, Hey, you guys are one of the greatest bands of, to- of your time. He's calling up to say, I know you love wrestling and wrestling loves you. Uh, I got these two new kids I want to put together and I want them to, I got a hot rod car. And I want to do like a, my, my son, Joel wants to do this eliminator video and right. sharp dress man video. And, oh, yeah. and they're like, they're like, we want to be in the video, which, you know, so w- when they were doing the ZZ top thing and turn off, um, that became a small, I don't want to say an issue, but I heard, I heard some um, rumbles from, uh, I think they were with Warner brothers at the time because they basically told Warner brothers that, that they gave my dad and Joel the rights to use those in pro wrestling, but they own their own rights. So Warner brothers, I think it was Warner brothers at the time was like, well, hold, hold on. You can't distribute your music. We distribute your music. And they go, no, it's our music. Cause they had so much control of their stuff. That was a huge to do to have ZZ top, um, you know, there. Um, don't remember if you guys remember the gap band, the gap band was huge, right? Yes, uh, Green out Word. of Tulsa. Yeah. They're out of Tulsa, but they were huge. Yeah. Yeah. T- Tulsa, uh, rough part of town. Uh, you know, I didn't know this, but downtown Tulsa and they were from the projects. And cause I asked them, I was back there listening. I said, Hey, can I ask you, how'd you guys come up with gap band? And they go, we lived in the projects, but we all grew up on different streets. I go, excuse me. They go, yeah. He goes, I was born on, I, I was raised on Greenwood. He was on Archer and he was on Pine street gap band G A P. I was like, bullshit. And then they, they allowed my dad to let me go to um, Los Angeles. They did the, the, the uh, counting the clock out in LA, you know, you dropped a bomb on me, but, to, but to see these people, you know, showing up and, or calling dad, Muhammad Ali. I mean, the, the things with Muhammad yeah. Ali, jo- Joel went and spent time with Muhammad Ali and, and, and Muhammad Ali liked our, liked the family so much and like Joel so much. He's like, Hey, I, it, 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 it's not allowed, but I'm going to go to the mosque and pray. I'm going to leave the door cracked open a little bit. Why don't you, why don't, why don't you get some uh, footage of me praying in the mosque? I think that would, that'd be big. And, and so like he set up his own like scene, you know, and then him and my dad were such good friends. I mean, you know, on the, on the episode 300, um, they had, they signed a deal with Muhammad, Muhammad and his manager. That was a two year deal. That was two years. Wow. The Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Ali said, y'all come to the shows, you know? To, to help promote, you know, you know, it's just a coincidence that we're on episode 300 and your dad comes out of retirement to wrestle. Yeah. Steven started yeah. this a year and a half ago. We've been doing an episode, you know, every week and it, we just yeah. happened to land on an episode where your dad comes out of retirement. How about that? You, you, you and me were talking, you're like, well, maybe we'll do an episode. Maybe we won't don't, you know, and then all of a sudden you said, I'm like, was he messing with me? 
Like this, I mean, what a, what a great week to, to come oh, in. Oh, no, it's, it's unbelievable. How, yeah, we how set this, this up weeks ago. It's yeah, just yeah. It's the incident that it fell on this. Yeah. Sometimes I do three it, episodes it, at a time and stuff for, for, for timing. Like, you know, we've all got the day jobs and stuff. So it's really sure. mad that um, it's really mad that we'll, we'll get on to this episode in a second. Terry, I think if you, if you just throw out the, because the, there's one question I, I wanted to get a feel for what it was like at this particular time, a couple of years after this. Um, so, Terry, over yeah, to you. Because yeah, I know we want to get to the episode, but. Before we do that, uh, Eric, what was it like when now UWF is about to get sold to Crockett? How was right. that behind the scenes at home? Because I know it had to be pretty pretty stressful for everybody. Yeah, but was that – now let me ask you this. Wasn't that closer to like 87-ish? Yeah, 87, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so I – when that whole thing went down, there's, there was a disconnect because I was – as soon as I signed with the University of Louisville to go there to Louisville, because that was that, that happened out of nowhere. I was going to go to Stanford and 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 Jack Elway, John Elway's dad, was the head coach of Stanford. And um, I, I would go occasionally to the camps in the summer, got to throw with John Elway. John Elway just so happened to be at the camps for a week and we would have private sessions throwing. John Elway was one of my favorite quarterbacks. And then right before um, – uh, right after my senior year of football, he called and let us know that he took on a, a job with the uh, Frankfurt Galaxy USFL mm. and wouldn't be the coach at Stanford. So now I'm now I'm scrambling, you know, uh, for college. So get uh, with Louisville because of Howard Schnellenberger. He was a quarterback, a whisperer. Uh, uh, some of these, you know, for any of the fans out there that know anything about football. His last three college quarterbacks were Kozar, Kelly, and Testaverde from the University <laughs> of Miami. Okay. Uh, they, <laughs> um, they broke the banks when they were doing their stuff. So um, Kind of what Lake Corner Marley's doing right now. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so here I am, and it, it, it blew me away. Uh, so I signed. I told Schellenberger, okay, I'm going to come to Louisville. But, you know, I, I want to play – the all-city all game, the all-state game, and the uh, Oil Bowl, which is the at the time, I don't know if they still play it, they're supposed to be the best of Oklahoma players against the best of Texas players. And it was just a big payoff. You know, as a kid, you want to play in the Senior Bowl. You want to play in, the, you know, these these different bowls. And um, I was all excited. And I remember Coach Number going, what are you talking about? I go, well, Coach, I mean, this is what you play your high school career for. He goes, no, you don't. You play your high school career to play college. I go, well, yeah, well, yeah but, you know, I want to get in front of all my fans. He goes, I don't sign quarterbacks and take a chance on them at, at, at some bullshit <laughs> bowl games. <laughs> I was like, he just, he just popped the air balloon. He goes, so what if you get hurt at one of those bowl games? I go, no. He goes, matter of fact, let me tell you something. When did you graduate? I said, May. He goes, I can't remember the exact date. He's like, yeah, you know, what date? I said, uh, May 15th. He goes, okay, so I'll see you on campus May 16th. I, I, I remember because the day I graduated, next day um, – that morning, I, I was uh, loading my car up. I don't even think my dad came out of side, outside to say bye or nothing. And I think my mom said, hey, call us when you get there. You know, because back then you don't have GPS. I had a huge Rand McNally map. You know? yeah. I'm like, okay, I got to go through St. Louis. I got to, you know, and uh, got in my car and left. And I mean, that's how business we were. It wasn't like, oh, you're going to college. No, I mean, uh, everything was always planned out. So I'm out of college by May. Um, and I think that's kind of when the whole Crockett schmoz was going on yeah. is, is, is that era. So I wasn't yeah. in the house. Yeah. 
Okay, because I guess that was that you know that's that's a, that's a that's a big sort of turning, really big turning point, isn't it? In terms, yeah, of, that that would be more yeah. like a, that would be more a, a you know if we get my dad on or Micah, M- Micah was there, you know, yeah. Joel, Joel, Joel was going th- uh, through it. My mother, my yeah, she, you know, she was right there going through that, but me, it, it I wasn't in it. I mean, yeah. I was in it from the fact that there were some things we were very unhappy about, you know, that ended up happening, but. Um, but I, I wasn't in it. I just wonder what um, would have happened in '85 if Mid South had stayed on TBS. Uh, that's that's the thing I, I think about. Uh, uh, you know, because because they got that three month run there on Sundays on TBS, didn't they? And they were doing really good. Right. I mean, you you think they were doing better ratings? You actually Mid South were doing better ratings locally than AEW does nationally. You think the you think the TV money in there now was just different different oh. different times stuff now? But you think if they stayed on TBS, if TBS had you know wanted two wrestling promotions on there right right how much longer could it i mean that's that, that, i think this is you know hypothetical but lot, i do well, wonder but, but, but well a lot of okay so a lot of what happened had nothing to do okay let me give you my amateur opinion yeah almost all of what happened happened due to the mid-south um and the oil industry yeah so when the oil industry crapped the bed people were losing their yeah. land, their businesses, the thing. So yeah. that was a regional, that was a regional situation that happened, but that was my whole dad's territory. Yeah. yeah. So now when, now when you have these people that are filing bankruptcy, losing their houses, losing their businesses, as much as they love wrestling, a lot of people couldn't even get to wrestling anymore. Louisiana is a huge, you know, offshore, you know, and they, they do oil Mississippi, uh, uh, Stephen, I'm gonna, Texas. I'm gonna, Stephen, I'm gonna tell you that what we call the oil boom and bust mm. back then, that had more of a negative effect on our economy than this pandemic did. Wow, crikey, that's so, so that, horrendous, so isn't that's it? What yeah. a, so that's what a lot of fans, well, the fans in that territory would know. But if you're educating that, it was a, it was a, a pandemic type thing that hit. Yeah. And people just couldn't afford to go to wrestling. And I think I think at the time my dad was making a shift to say, hey, you know, we got we got to do something different. We got we got to go to a different line because um, I was talking to Micah before I called you uh, called you guys because uh, it's been a while since I was on uh, universalwrestling.com, which is his website. And they got some facts and, and, and I'll try to find it. Um, he's got all the facts and if you saw i don't know i don't i don't know the time frame my dad's tv ratings mid-south sports tv ratings were either doubling or tripling monday night football yeah monday night football in america yeah. Not your football. Not, not, yeah, not yeah, your yeah. football over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> real yeah, football. Your, your, your football. Yeah, real is much real football. Our, <laughs> your, 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 your football is much bigger than our football, but uh, but not over here, damn it. Not uh, in not the well, actually, nothing nothing draws what the Super Bowl does in, in terms of percentages. Uh, so, uh, yeah. No, yeah. A, a, a TV revenue. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just that your football is seen in so many countries. Yeah, that's true. Compared yeah. to our yeah. football. But no, when, when I remember when they were running that, showing the ratings across the United States of Mid South Sports, and then they put it against the number one rated show. And I didn't even, I didn't even know that. I go, 
and they literally showed the the Nielsen ratings, and it was like double or triple Monday Night Football. Yeah, that's it mad, was as it was as hot as hot could be. The only thing that could stop it would be a, whole, a huge economic, you know, crisis. Mm. So I wondered if, if the TBS thing had stayed around, I wonder if the if the thing could have been tour somewhere else, I suppose. But then you're too far. You know, the two things are so disconnected. I suppose it's like, you know, what if what if this happened and what if this happened and this happened yeah. and this happened? It's like well, you're yeah, yeah. you know you're so separated. Yeah, this is Eric Watts, and for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see. So we are moving on to the episode now, the June 8th, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And Joel Watts and Jim Ross are at the, at the desk. It feels weird saying Joel Watts is on at the desk when I've got his brother on the on the podcast. So there we go. Uh, and this is right, detailed, right. as we said earlier on, as, as Rid South Wrestling's episode 300. And Jim runs down the card. We've got the returning Fantastics against the Dirty White Boys. Brickhouse Brown and Brad Armstrong versus Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Kamala, Dirty Dutch Mantel, the new North American champion, the Nightmare is here. Plus one, Joel is very proud of his father, Cowboy Bill Watts, will be wrestling on the show too. Um, Joel then mentions a special offer for people out there. And Ross talks about um, basically an, an initiative that Mid-South are doing with non-profit organizations um, to get, you know, basically to get an event um, for a non-profit organization. Do you have any memories of this? Because I think Phil and I have talked about this on, and I remember reading this in Bill's book, I believe. I I had them come to my high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. And before I attended many matches at, the, the myriad and then some in Tulsa um, when they came to my high school and, and someone got me more closer to, to backstage, I was kind of, uh, uh, you know, I'd never really had a ringside seat before, but I got it close and I met uh, one of the Rick Steiner brothers. He was, it was when they still used their full last name at mm. that yeah. time. Yeah. But I saw Ricky and Robert up close for the first time and realized that uh, some of the build weights was cave fade too. they had lead shoes on they had lead shoes right there you go well did now did you say did you did you say the the nightmare the nightmare won the north well hold on i I, I guess you didn't watch the episode because he's supposed to be called the champ okay well i'm coming to that i'm coming to that yes can we get some some stuff straight really quick i mean (laughs) okay come on i know apologies bad start bad start um terry did these this did this initiative come to where you where you were at the time, or, or do you remember that in terms of the nonprofit organization stuff? Well, I, I was probably on Bourbon Street drinking too much beer during this time, so uh, <laughs> I have no recollection. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Right, um, so we then cut back to Ross, and he says that there's a legend getting ready to wrestle. Cowboy Bill Watts will be going up against the Bruiser, um, who had a black top and gold tights along with his mask, and um, Ross called. Bill, a legend in his own time. And Joel said a lot of things had been burning inside of Bill for a long time. And he had been in intense preparation for this comeback. So, Eric, do you remember this? And was, was this something, what, what was driving this? I guess there's probably, you know, Bill is a big attraction at the box office still. He's not all that old. He's 45 here. So, you know, he can go. Yeah. Was this a bit of the business side or a bit of the, I really want another run because I've got this burning thing? Or was it somewhere in the middle? What was driving this, do you think? I really think it had to do with uh, ticket sales. Yeah. Um, now, now people can say whatever they want, but I remember, you know, because my dad was again, he was trying to build a business 
that wasn't built around him. It was around pro wrestling. And so he would step away or, or reduce his role. But when the territory needed a shot in the arm too, it was his business. And if it failed, he wasn't going to be a guy going, okay, well, you know, I step back and I'm going to be the CEO. And then, you know, if it fails, it fails. It's not going to do it. Now, don't hold me to that. I just remember, I remember it did get very serious at our house mm. and he was not to be talked to, you know, not like me, don't bug him when he's in the gym. You know, he was putting in, he was putting in miles. He was, uh, uh, he had a huge pool. My mom did so much designing. So I, at our actual house, um, if you saw a picture from, from above, we had a junior Olympic swimming pool mm-hmm. with a six foot diving board. But then my mom made this huge kiddie pool. And then, and then right towards where the swim lanes were for the junior Olympic pool, she put a wall and then it was topped with tile and it came maybe like six inches, eight inches from the water. Well, if you, when you flew over, you would see the, the black top and, and she formed it in the form of a cowboy hat. Oh, wow. So it was a very square cowboy wow. hat. Yeah, so yeah. to, to signal, so the, so we had like a 2,600 square foot, um, gym for my father had all the weights, all that you needed, uh, really huge, uh, huge, uh, rehab, like showers with tile seats. So you could sit there, sauna, um uh a soft serve machine so that we could start making our own like smoothies and stuff like that whether in there blenders the whole thing so it was a very serious i'm gonna get in shape he he always loved being in the gym um um as a matter of fact in this on, episode right here he's wearing a t-shirt though for powerhouse gym powerhouse which yeah. is still a chain i think probably down in your part of the world the one in tulsa closed not too long ago it, it yeah. survived a long time he loved powerhouse, but uh, well, well, a, you see how different TV is, right? Because you're not going to wear anything unless someone's paying right. you. Right. Yeah. And Bill right. Watson wear whatever, whatever he wanted to, but him going into another gym in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like a powerhouse, he was just wearing that because he's probably promoting, you know, powerhouse. And, and plus, yeah. well, and plus he's such a deep thinker, right. That, that powerhouse was a known name. So, so Joel's sitting there going, and he's really been benching a lot and pushing the weights. So he probably fit the storyline with, hey, I'm going to wear my, like, like a, a powerhouse shirt. Shit, I don't have it. Now, on the road, he might have gone to powerhouse. But if you saw the gym we had, a matter of fact, you know, he was big into, to, 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 you know, going as long as he can go in the ring. And, um, and so we built a racquetball court. Uh, at our house that yeah. also had an arcade gym in it. And so he, he would get me, uh, Joel, Micah, um, uh, friends would come in so he, he didn't have to travel down to the Tulsa Racquet Club. Joel mentioned there. during this so, match that he'd been playing a lot of racquetball to, to stay in shape. Yeah, so he put, yeah. So, so it was a lot more you know, lower impact, but you had to do, you know, when you get in that racquetball court, man, it's side to side, front to back. And what was brutal is, you know, my senior year, I, gra- I graduated, I was 6'6", 212 pounds. And, and he was aggressive. I'm aggressive. We're competitive. I'm telling you, I took some hits. I ran into him trying to get to a ball a few times. And I, I thought I just hit the back of a truck. I'm like, wow. what the? Yeah, and he, you, know, hey, you got to be careful. Don't run into me. You know, and, and, uh, and we nailed each other a few times with balls. But very uh, very intense about getting back into shape and getting back on the road. Um, and he was driven. 
The other part of it too is, I think, this is just, again, amateur opinion here. There's nothing like being on the road to take the temperature of the boys, oh, the yeah. business, what people are saying and not saying. Smart. So Smart. you can you can send Grizzly Smith or you can uh, uh, Dundee's and, and Dusty Road. You can have all the bookers and all this other stuff. But then again, too, a lot of those bookers were expert wrestlers or, or wrestlers, right? And so um, I think that he also knew the best way to be the best way to always keep his thumb on the business would be be out on the road. And he wasn't going to be that guy that was just going to fly around to check on towns. Now I do remember a few times my dad would say, uh, Hey, you know, you, you take a treat, uh, a trip to me, a uh, uh, trip with me. I'm going to drive into little rock. I mean, fly into little rock or Shreveport. And we'd go down, we had an airport, um, FBO airport outside of Tulsa called Watts air. And we would run down, jump in the, jumping a plane he's incredible pilot and we'd fly to a town and he would he would once in a blue moon do a sneak attack to make sure yeah. that grizzly and everybody was on their up and up showing up he was very serious he'd find people you know you couldn't be a minute late um uh there there it was a very you know he had his rules and he had to run mm-hmm. the rules so so I, I think it i think it was accumulation of things like hey and, and you're right at, at 45 guys most of your wrestlers are in are are in their starting to hit their prime at 45. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of your guys, they're 45 to 50, 55. I mean, a lot of those guys, they were hitting great years because you've learned the business so well. He was so advanced in his understanding of the business that that he was such a good wrestler, uh, a worker, that his he, he was ahead of his time, you know? Um, and so I think it had to do with an all, like, and, and also too, you know, my dad's big into reading he, he studies all the time reads all the time art of war and 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 different things i i think also the your troops run the best when the general's in the field you know so i i think it was an accumulation of things but i think it was hey i'm gonna pop back in and, and drive some more you know let's drive the houses back up and yeah and go because he did it in 85 and then i think he did it again right in 87 sometime yeah, he. This is this is not it for, for, for Bill. But I, I, I. So I've seen him more in the commentary role, which I really enjoy actually, because he's he, yeah. he does it in a very different way. He's, he's. I think he's a narrator rather than a commentator. So he narrates it. This is again. You said amateur in even more of an amateur, far more of an amateur in over here. But <laughs> I feel like he narrates it in terms of your. And it, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get it. I felt, um, but I was like, he's telling me the story here as it's going along, and he's hitting all these key points. And it's a very different style, but it's one that I definitely enjoy. But two weeks before this, this show, he cut a promo to announce his comeback. And I was like, that's, that is a, that is a baby face promo. Crikey. It was like, hair on my yeah. arm standing up going, this guy's, you know, this guy's got it. And I hadn't seen a lot of that because of the time and I've been watching it. But um, Bill won this in, in, uh, in a, sorry, Terry, jump in. No, I just want to chime in because all of the things Eric says is, is right on key, but I think it also goes back to what we've said a couple of weeks ago. Junkyard dog leaves. Master G couldn't couldn't do it. It's the snowman, you know, the, his promos c- couldn't do it. I think Bill knew, hey, and, and look, me as a fan, if Bill Watts was going to be on the card, we were going. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think that was the other thing too, is just getting asses back in those seats because we missing junkyard dog a lot. Yeah, you're right. You, I think uh, you're. I think you're 100 right there. I just what we you, you spoke. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a bit. Eric, I used to be speaking about your your dad's um, matches with um, 
with Bruno San Martino, and he was he was young in those in that in that in that. Yeah. He was he was only what twenty five, wasn't he? In that in that. Think, think about this. He was wrestling when it was W W yeah. W F right. for Vince's father. How yeah. I met I met Vince McMahon, and I was probably I don't know how old I was 10, 12. and my dad said, "Hey, I you know because my dad." My dad believed in promoting other promotions as well. So, mm-hmm. so he was like, "Hey, the guy I used to work for, his kid, <laughs> is is growing, you know, in the business." And so I'm going to bring him down and have him do some, you know, announcing. So, so he he, he announced a few matches in Mid South Sports. Vince Vince McMahon did. He introduced some matches. Oh, did yeah. he? Okay. So- I just was looking at this um, this cage match, which I, I'm, I can spend hours on this, d- d- uh, jumping into various wormholes. But I wish I could jump in a. We could all jump in a time capsule to February the twenty second, nineteen sixty five. Bill Watts defeats Bruno Sammartino by DQ in Madison Square Garden. There you go. Imagine that. Imagine being there in that crowd. You know, I bet it would really taste the atmosphere that that night. But yeah, crikey! I mean, now, let imagine me, that. Let, let me tell you something else that's crazy. Okay, so. Um, okay, so Madison Square Gardens has been re- like enhanced a few times throughout its lifetime. Yeah. Okay. So what what will happen with these guys? It kind of cracks me up. Bill Watts and Bruno San Martino was the fastest sellout of any event in the history of Madison Square Garden. And and I think then they put an asterisk by it and that was before electronics sales so they had all these asterisks right and and so even when i was with vince vince was like well yeah but but then they up the seats and so the newest fastest sellout is i go stop i i'm just i'm just wanting to talk to you he goes when my dad and bruno he goes oh for my father bruno san martino cowboy bill watts had the fastest sellout of any any event ever in wow. Madison Square Garden. That's that's how. That's amazing. Just yeah. to yeah, just to put in perspective how electric it was. Yeah. That's, Plus, that's it had phenomenal. to be great. It had to be great because my mom is so beautiful, and and <laughs> she's modeling, and then she dated him. So he, he must have something going. For he him. had to be good. Had to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Bill, Bill won this one, and he made short order of um of the Bruiser in one twenty two with his with his Oklahoma Stampede. Um, Eric, any thoughts on this? I mean, we, this is you know this is clear what this was in terms of you know getting Bill back on TV. I'm back. What did you think of this? I well, the first thing when I watched it the other day because I watched the I watched the episode. Uh, I watched my dad's match twice, and so the first time I watched it, um. I was thinking that, you know, thank God it's not in today's because that employee would sue you for abuse. And then I'm like, and then, and then I'm like, well, maybe he didn't hit him as hard as I thought. And so then I sat down with my girlfriend and we watched it and it's the first time she'd seen it. And she goes, I thought this was entertainment. Did, did the guy break his jaw? It's in a, I said, you won't know it's in a mask. His jaw is probably okay. I don't know. No, he slapped the dog, you know, mm. this guy twice. I, I so I was just taken back on, like, I was so feeling so sorry for the guy he wrestled. <laughs> you know, I'm like. Does yeah, anyone know who the bruiser is here is? I, I think I found out who the bruiser is. Was trying to realize. Oh, did you? I, I've got someone that tells me they're pretty sure it was Randy Barber. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, I, I, well, well. We don't know. That's uh, just I another can, fan I, telling me that, Eric. I, we don't. No, I no, no. I, and, and, and you could be right. I mean, you know, uh. 
it was it was almost like destroyer you know there's there a time when there's one or two you know what i'm saying is, is like micah and joel they're the biggest on that stuff right yeah. so i could uh, i could hit them i could hit them up and see also because the fans probably 100 right you said randy barber correct okay i'll, I'll uh i'll see Anything to add on this uh, on this one, Terry, in terms of this short match? No, I think it just it it, it, it that's what it was for. Was get Cowboy back uh, wrestling, get him on TV, get him a good win, and uh, sell some tickets. Get my ass in the seat in the auditorium. No, yeah, absolutely, uh, Phil. Any any thoughts? No, he just dominated the man like you knew he would. Absolutely. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments. Next up in ring was Frankie Lane, who had a scarf on that was a little bit like he was in the Scouts. Is the Scouts a thing? Is a The Scouts is a thing in the States, Yeah, the Scouts aren't there, yeah. Yeah, of course it is, yeah. And he was like going, due to be going up against Kamala, but instead Jim Duggan appeared um, with this protective mask on for his face. And we talked about, obviously, earlier on um, in terms of you know, the very, you know, suffering for his art in terms of the way that they'd done this. And Duggan was with a two by four um, and he did a, you know, did a nice little dance and then swung it like he was striking a home run in baseball, which was great. And Ross and Joel said that Scandal wasn't going to come down to the ring with Duggan in there. So they threw to a videotape from the Superdome highlighting Jake Roberts versus the snowman with Muhammad Ali himself in the corner. So we got quite a lot of this, this match um, with Bill Watson commentary and, um, I thought it was quite interesting, actually. And Eric, maybe you jump in here. Um, see, Muhammad Ali had just been involved in WrestleMania 1. So I thought this is quite, given what was going on, this is quite interesting timing for him to be in Mid-South, straight, almost pretty much straight afterwards, wasn't it, really? From March to, to June was what this was, yeah. Yeah, I know. As far as my part, absolutely. But I think Muhammad Ali, I think the connection is that he was... I mean, it, it, it's just known he 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 was there to help promote black athletes. Mm. I mean, just, just just period. And and I don't know. I I I don't even know how to uh, equate this necessarily. But my father was a huge promoter of black athletes. You yeah. know, um, they say you know he, Junkyard Dog was the first true you know world champion, and then Ron and then uh, Ron Simmons was the second true. A lot of times at WCW under his reign. Uh, 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 so uh, it would not surprise me um, that Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, would I believe went to WrestleMania one for the money. I think I yeah, think he had. Yeah. Do you feel where I'm going with this? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, I, he, do, yeah. I, I think he was coming for a bigger cause hmm. when he came to Mid South. Yeah, that. No, not not sense. saying that WrestleMania is not a great cause. I, I'm just saying I think I think one was a an entertainment showman, which is always entertainment. I think another one was a cause. Yeah, I agree. Um, so 
this was, I mean, obviously having him there was a, was a big deal. And when he got involved, um, the crowd just, you know, went mad, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically in, in the end here, um, the Snowman retained the, the TV title and the, the Superdome show absolutely erupted at the end of this. Um, Phil, you go first here. What did you, what, any, any thoughts on this presentation here and the use of, of Ali? And did, 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 I was, I don't know whether you, probably more likely Terry, did you go to this show? I, I don't remember if I was there or not. I, honestly, I, I don't remember if that was one of the super domes I attended. Well, I know for me at the time, uh, Ali was as a, a big a star as there was from the athletic world. I was a huge fan of Muhammad Ali. He won the title for the third time, which was unheard of. So this you know, Bill Watts being able to bring him in at that time, watching it, they, this made it as legitimate and as real as as any sport. Hmm. Can we can we comment on on when he jumped up on that side of the ring? And and Jake Jake is a fantastic uh, wrestler. But did you see the shots that Ali <laughs> was giving Jake? Yeah. Like I, like I, I'm, I'm I'm telling you right now. I don't care what anyone thinks or doesn't think. You put a man that is, can we say, probably the most famous boxer of all times. If not, he's one or two of the And he is throwing shots in and not killing uh, uh, Jake Roberts. And, 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 and they're wrapped. And, and then, yeah. uh, of course, Nord, of course, Nord got. Nord ate a few. Um, I think there was one particular one that he really ate, actually, wasn't there? Yeah, Yeah, there really was. I was like, man down. One time he he bumped, the next time he dropped. I'm like, oh, God. And um, But I'm saying Jake is so good, right? You know, he's using the ropes and all this other stuff, but he was coming in. But to me, to see Ali, it just – put it this way. He – it reminds me of Dusty Rhodes. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, when when have you not known Dusty Rhodes as Dusty Rhodes? He's like, Eric, he took on that character and he doesn't know Virgil Reynolds. Mm. Like, 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 I don't think that he knows Virgil right. Reynolds. He's he's Dusty Rhodes. And that's how it was when I was around Mach. Macho Man was was Macho Man, right? Yeah. Randy Savage. Ali was Ali, and when he got up there and he was up on that rope, it was like he was anywhere. You know, it was like he was in a main event heavyweight bout, and the fans were there, and he was part of the experience. Because I was blown away. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I don't care who you are, especially when you bring in like a UFC guy or someone that's known to be great at martial arts and all that other stuff. And a lot of times, whatever they do doesn't look good because no. they're too yeah. you know uh I, I thought it was amazing i also something else i really liked was seeing some of the history like ernie the cat lad and what he's done in sports period pro football right grambling went to grambling to be a basketball player i can't remember i want to look it up he was averaging when, when, when Ernie told me what he was averaging his freshman year in Grambling, I, I didn't believe it. It was something crazy, like 30 points a game or something like that. And, and, and the way he went um, from, from basketball to football was one of the greatest coaches, <laughs> football coaches, okay, uh, was at Grambling and came up and said, hey, kid, are they feeding you over there in basketball? And, <laughs> uh, and uh, Eddie Robinson, right? And, and he's like – well, I mean, I, I, yeah, they're treating me good. He goes, 
you sure you can't eat some more? He goes, it's something you look skinny. And he's like, well, sure, I'd love to, but the place is only open two or three times a day. He goes, no, no, that's not true. He goes, here's a key. Just don't let anyone know. So he gained like 50 or 60 pounds in off season. The coach is so mad, was going to just kick him off the team. And Eddie Robinson goes, son, do we have a football scholarship for you? <laughs> so he, basically, <laughs> he basically fed the man, right? And, and I, I remember seeing uh, – I remember seeing – Ernie Ladd is, was probably the closest person I've ever seen with my dad. I mean, I truly think that if there's one best friend, Ernie and my dad had such a connection. Uh, they, had, they had so many things in common, right? But to see what that man did – for uh, black athletes, breaking barriers. Um, I, I asked my dad one time, I said, dad, I, I, the big man still gets up and does drop kicks. But I said, it's like his legs are going in a V, you know, because his knees were so bad. I didn't know this. My dad said, ask him how many operations he's had. So I came back and I can't remember whether he said 13 on the left wow. or 13. He had 12 knee operations on one and 13 on the other. Wow. Play pro football. So to me, me knowing the history of him playing at Grambling and, and, and you know, um, wanting to promote black athletes and all this other stuff. And so I'm, I'm seeing Ali, Ali's manager, but then what I see is Ernie the Cat Lad, and you're just seeing these, this, to me, this parade coming in, and it, it, was, it was a magic moment uh, for me, you know? Yeah, this is this is really really good stuff. Back to the show. Um, Duggan was still in ring, and he told Boy Pierce he wasn't leaving. And Ross put over the snowman again. And they threw to break. Um, back from break, Scander Akbar was out there, um, and he said that Duggan must think he's dealing with a novice. Uh, and he went on to talk about uh, basically Kamala. Um, you used to be a lion hunter, and while the spear is only ceremonial, he could still use it anyway. He wanted to basically warning Duggan that Mid-South, you know, couldn't survive with the both of them in there. And he said, with Bill Watts coming out of retirement, he knew what that means and they shouldn't count him out. He has plans for Duggan like never before. Uh, Warns him not to turn his back on him. And um, this was, I thought this was good stuff from, from Skandar. Um, uh, Phil first, and we'll run through the guys and get your thoughts at the end, Eric. What did you think of this promo for Mac Bar here? Well, you know, uh, he's talking about bringing in that spear in. And as we saw, you know, Duggan brought the board in. And later, Watts brings the chair in. You know, it wasn't just too many too many episodes ago. There's a $25,000 fine yes, for bringing yes. a, a tennis racket in the ring, yeah. right? So, or other things. So, we've kind we of had, got we had a bull. We had a bull whip, too, though, right? Had a we bull had a whip. Right, yeah. yeah. So, right. we're back. <laughs> weapons are full on. And and, uh, and Akbar is making his point there. Uh, we have a weapon, too, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Terry, what did you think of this? Just classic Akbar. Akbar was gold. I think he's one of the most underrated managers ever. Uh, again, I'm biased. I'm a New Orleans boy. I'm a Mid South fan, but Akbar was freaking awesome. Yeah. What did you think of this, um, Eric? And what are some of your memories of Scandal? Well, you know, just what was just said. First of all, they're storytellers, right? Mm. They're, they're, there's people that are famous in our business that can slow their brain down enough to tell the story as in it was real. As soon as he hit, when I heard that, and he goes, when he first said, and he was a lion hunter, I kind of giggled, you know, like, you know, right. yeah, 
yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember they said that, but the way he said it was like, but he was a lion, right? It was and serious, thinking, okay, wasn't it? It was serious. He was yeah, so yeah. serious. Yeah. I'm like, what guy, what six, seven guy is chasing a lion in the first place? But, but, but <laughs> then, then, then when he took me to the spear, I can't tell you how many times I saw the spear and the dance and the, you know, the, the stuff. And, and so he would do it and it was a ceremony we did. It. But when he did it, I'm like, wait, hold on a second. He could throw a spear and kill him from five feet away. That board's not going to do it. Now, not that it was going to happen, but my point is for one second. Yeah, he, said, I know what you mean. Yeah. He, he, he was basically saying the board shouldn't come. And if you're going to bring the board, why can't we bring the spear? And I'm like, damn. You know, like, like yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so uh, Akbar could do it. I love how, you know, it made a fool of you before. I can make a fool again. And then uh, was it uh, DPS or someone that owed him? He said, he, he threw in some more question in that uh, interview, right? Was it DiBiase? He goes, and, and was it DiBiase? He said, and, and yeah. you owe me, yes, right? And, and so he was going and uh, a baby face now owes him. That, that shows some evil complexity, right? Mm. <laughs> so so a, a guy that can come in, a veteran, and and slow it down and tell a story, um, it, it was awesome. Yeah, I thought this this was really good. And and talking of really good, we've got a really high profile tag team match up next. Um, especially yeah, for television at the time. Ted DiBiase and Dr. Death, the tag team champions, versus Brickhouse Brown and Brad Armstrong, who were really getting, you know, some really positive responses from the from the crowd with their entrance music around this time. Um, Dr. Death got busted open in this um at some point. I didn't see did anyone see what happened here? Because I, I don't know if I looked down to my notes, but he had a pretty significant cut over his eye in this. No, I, 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 I didn't play it back, but I saw the blood. But it, it was so hilarious. because Not hilarious, but it was, so, it was so dark. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's got so much scar tissue yeah. from all, all the football and the, the fighting and all this other stuff that he, he, he wouldn't flinch on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 but no, I didn't see it. The, the first time when he came down, when my dad, my dad said, hey, Doc, you know, your football is over. You tried USFL. You're a pro wrestler day and day. Plus, just so you guys know, so so here we are, and and it's it's eighty five, right? So I'm a I'm a sophomore, I think, at high school uh, because I stayed out a year um, early on, um, uh, not for grades or anything. We just we we, we stayed out for a year uh, for sports, and um, and so so Micah has now a broken neck, uh, and so. My dad's like, we don't even know if he's ever going to be able to pro wrestle. Eric's going off to college. Joel's an announcer. He's not going to wrestle unless we're going to have him, you know, wrestle as Gumby, or, you know, or something like that, right? right. Um, so, so who do I got? And and so when he brought in Steve, we all knew that that they basically, our dad was bringing someone else that was going to be the second coming of of Cowboy Bill Watts, mm. uh, unless I, I come in later on or something happens with Micah's neck. Cause we were talking about fusing the neck, but the break was right at the, um, uh, right at the, the nerves. And they are afraid if they stapled it, they would hit the cord and kill it. Oh, and so, um, so his, his, his athletic career was over. So here comes doc. Well, doc comes down and my dad trained Dr. Death in our garage or one of our garages on an amateur wrestling mat. And so wow. his first day I hear, you know, okay, doc. And then all of a sudden I just hear, boom, I'm like, holy shit. And, and he goes, you dumb son of a bitch. That 500 will come out of your first paycheck. This is his <laughs> first day. Well, my dad, had, had, you know, 
was tossing him off and said, just go and, and get close to the wall and bounce off. And he was going to like fireman's carry him or something. And he went through the wall. (laughs) (laughs) There's this this huge like body size. He's like, well, I thought you wanted me to bounce off the wall. (laughs) Like, no, that's what happens. And so he had sheetrock all over. My dad was cussing. So, so to see that guy, one of the funniest things is my sister, Anna, uh, I don't know exactly. uh, I don't know how old she was. And so then they, they would work out all day long. And then my sister, she's probably five years younger than me. So she's probably, well, you know, fifth grade. And she'd come off the bus and just beautiful blonde hair and, and a little girl. And, and, and uh, Doc would, would be outside, you know, and almost like he was waiting on her coming home from school. And, and uh, he'd go, Doc, we're going fishing. And Doc would go, and he had the biggest dip and he dipped all the time. And then you'd see this big monster with a fishing pole at, at our front pond, you know, trying to get catfish. <laughs> so like his whole day was between uh, running, lifting weights, pro wrestling and fishing, you know, so it was, was kind of like the, the, the beast and the gentleman type. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Doc just, he had very little Injuries did not affect him like they would affect Mo. So you're, you're exactly right. When I saw him, like he got busted open, but I, I, I didn't know how or what. I, I didn't see the shot. No, I no, I didn't make it here either. Um, this was this this uh, this this only went um just over four minutes uh, and ultimately ended up um, with uh, Brad and Brown on the losing losing side where Debiosi applied a figure four on Brad after. Um, you know, some various, uh, you know, things where the, the, the referee was um, basically, I think, was the, so referee, uh, Armstrong got blindsided by with the clothes on by Williams here. So that's what ended up um, happening. But I thought, I thought it was interesting placement for Brad and Brown, given how popular they're becoming. Um, Phil, what did you make of this, um, this match and this outcome here? Yeah, it, you know, four extremely athletic men in this ring. Um, and Brown, you know, Brickhouse Brown had been getting quite a push. Uh, and I don't think there's any shame in the loss here with, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Death using the loaded armband. To take oh, well, I out. missed. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I complete, I've obviously completely missed that, haven't I? Yeah, he, yeah. No, okay. he used a loaded armband. Uh, oh, okay. He, yeah. he, he was not even the legal man in the ring. And he, and he, as a matter of fact, he almost botched the ending. If you watch, Steve Williams was not the legal man in the ring. He clotheslines uh, Armstrong, but he's got the loaded, right. got the loaded armband. He goes to cover him, but he has to uh, get off the cover and go mm. outside the ring uh, yeah. because T- Ted DiBiase was the legal man in the ring. So there's no shame in losing that match for Brickhouse Brown and Brad Armstrong. No. no. Terry, anything no. to add on this one? Yeah, just uh, I was actually, while we were talking, I, I kind of rewatched it. it. It looks like Doc, as he's throwing a clothesline on Brad, he, he, he almost, I think he might have hurt hit himself or Brad's a body part just got him and oh like really eric, okay yeah like eric said he probably had a wound that wasn't quite you know closed up very good and just yeah. just a mistake because you see him roll over briefly after the clothesline and kind of put a hand to it but it, but it ignores right. it the rest of the time yeah yeah yeah, he might have hit himself with his own gimmick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, but yeah, but 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 also, like I said, I was sitting there with my girlfriend, and when he, when he clotheslined Brad, which Brad is one of the greatest, you know, he's one of the greatest, right? Uh, I was like, she, she's like, that looked like he killed him. I said, he he, he might have killed him. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
So la- up next, Larry Clark, who um, Boyd had to announce twice after a funny moment with his microphone. I think it's the only time I've ever seen anything kind of get Boyd at all. Um, up against who Jim Ross calls the man of the hour and Jim Duggan, who had his eye protector on. So seven seconds into this, there was a huge commotion as DiBiase headed out there with Williams. Duggan's resistance was short-lived as DiBiase smashed him with a loaded glove after Williams had destroyed the poor referee. Akbar went to ringside and there was huge drama here. Joel did a phenomenal job selling this as Akbar had a cigar and it appeared he was going to try and burn Duggan. Bill Watts then made the save with a couple of chair, chair shots on Williams and Ted as Scandal fled the ring. Ross said that Watts was walking tall. I thought this was really, really strong. I mean, sometimes this show gets me. I don't know what's happening. I haven't looked ahead. I know some things that you just kind of learn from history, but I don't look at any spoilers. And the, the sense of drama in this angle, I thought was really, really powerful. And this was tremendous television. Um, Eric, what did you think of this uh, this angle here with, um, you know, the, the, the match and then the kind of, this kind of switch to the angle here? Yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, I, I read some reviews that people said, you know, um, just for the heck of it. Um, it just takes me back to the old school where where villains could be villains, right? Yeah. You know, in, in, in our generation, um, most of the time villains are applauded by society now, right? So it's almost like if they say, hey, you're going to be a villain, you, you, you know you're going to be a baby face because people like bad guys. That that's back when good versus evil. Also, when you watch the matches, it's, it's amazing how 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 great the timing is of these athletes to make sure that the referee doesn't catch them and a lot of things they're doing. So that by that time, when Akbar's sitting there and he's puffing his you know cigar, you're you're thinking, okay, he's actually going to jab him in the face with his with his freaking cigar. So yeah. so and, you know, and, and he was doing the timing and the whipping and the whole thing, you know, until Dad got in there. Um, to start an angle, I, I just I I think that is so classic of uh, of the talent level that was in there, and it was classic um, uh, storylines, you know, yeah, things yeah. things that we don't see. This is this is phenomenal. And um, Terry, what did you make of this? So so Bill Watts was was always one of my one of my heroes. However, watching his his chair shot, if you watch it over again, <laughs> I think if Bill Watts had to critique himself, he might find him. For taking it easy on DiBiase that on second, that shot. That second one was really, really light. The <laughs> one was pretty good. Him. There was one that was pretty good, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you in case my dad comes on here. You shouldn't have heard my commentary on it. I was, I was like, <laughs> I've, I've, I avoided that because I didn't want to touch on it. So there we go. Yeah, I'm no, ch- you chicken know out on that like, one. I'm like, this, I, I, no, I'm like, this kid, this kid's good because because I, I you know, because you might think I'd react a different way. I'm not. I won't pull. I won't pull any punches. I mean, he didn't pull any punches for me. I was, I, I, I it was rough. I, it was rough. I mean, I, you know, all I could think because a a a there's a few things in my life, you know, injury wise, and some friends that are no longer here, um, that are directly from the abuse that we take to our head. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna let you know. I mean, there's there's stuff I deal with to this day and all this other stuff, and and a lot of the abuse to the head were from freaking chairs. Yeah, and there was no way around the chair. There was no way. I'm like, man, Vince is going to come up here and tell everyone it's freaking entertainment. It's fake. Blah, 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 blah. Then why don't you call 3M or some kind of company to make a freaking fake chair? Well, because, why, you know, the, why didn't they? That's, that's a very interesting I, point. I, yeah. I, 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 it's the hardest thing to fathom. So yeah. let me explain something to you about a chair shot, right? Because... because um, 
my girlfriend asked me, she goes, so do you, do you know the chairs coming? I go, I gotta be honest with you. I got, I gotta be honest with you. I've done it both ways. I have told people if you're going to run around with a chair and you're going to nail me, I, I don't need to be turned around. Do, yeah. You know, if you want to hit me, but hit me as hard as you can, because Almost like if you know it's coming, you, you may flinch. And, 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 and what happens? Okay, so if a chair is coming at you, right, and it's coming at your head, what are you going to do with your head? You go like this. Yeah. So now, you, now your neck is compressed. Now the chair hits you and there's no more compression because you jerked, right? So my dad was the guy, I swear to you, he was that guy who was like, leave him laying, dent the chair, blah, blah. The only thing I could think of was he was rusty that's it because he because he he, the first one i was like oh you know i was like whoa uh no you know and then the (laughs) second one like no it it had to be a rusty situation uh on those the the thing now is that we that i think wwe have got this right and i do see aew are starting to sneak some stuff to the head in which i don't like and i think that the way to do it is not to do it we all know no one knew then. I mean, it's funny. Well, not funny. Funny is not the right word at all. But you talk about Vince calling it entertainment. But some of the stuff that happened in his promotion in the late 90s and two, and 2000s was, was they talk about blood and guts in other places. They had, I mean, the rock of mankind at that Royal Rumble with the, whatever it was, the 14 unanswered chair shots and all that stuff. They did some hard, hardcore stuff in that promotion. Um, and no one, no one, I guess everyone knew to a point that, you know, hit, get hit over the head is probably not amazing for you. But not to the level, you know, like you said, and unfortunately the wrestlers that have been lost, but just, just don't do it is the thing I think now, really. Uh, but, but Buzz Sawyer, and there, there's a plethora of guys that would, uh, Sandman, um, there's a plethora of guys, they took pride in saying, tr- they, they would say, try to break the chair. Yeah. Because the, the chair has a this metal, metal hinge bracket. And if you bang it hard enough several times, you can actually break the chair. It, it's not breaking the chair; it just pushes the metal chair through. Mm. And, and, and they would they would they would take pride in this. And I'm like, guys, that that's not that's not where it's at. I, I had a match at, at TNA, and no one said it was going to happen because you know it was called out there, and the match was already pretty you know brutal. And uh, Sandman told one of the guys, he said, "Stack ten chairs in there and powerbomb me into the chairs." Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I remember I was down, it was before the big comeback, I was down, and I'm like, they're stacking chairs, like, not like stacking, but they're in a pile, so they weren't even even. And that kid picked him up, <laughs> powerbombed him, and I, I went just like this, and I rolled out the ring, <laughs> you know, because I, I, was, I, I, was, I was hurt anyway, because they just nailed me with like a chair, and I was like, hold on. If I'm staying right here in the ring, they may go to pick me up and powerbomb yeah, me. And yeah. then I, you know, this. so then I'm outside the ring. I start feeding back up. He told, he said, do it again. And I mean, just powerbomb. I mean, it's hard, like a rag on it. And, and so it would be tough if I was in the era of my father, because when, when, when they used them, usually they brung them very hard. Um, and, and it's something, again, it's, it, I see the effects and I have so many friends and there's so many guys that aren't here anymore due to way too much uh, damage to the head. Um, but I also saw brutal things. I saw Jim Duggan. I remember seeing him the day after. I can't remember where it was, but some of your ring posts, like uh, the one that was on 300, okay? The ring post went up and then it, it had um, a metal like rebar that went down to the base on the edges. 
So when the guys would come around, sometimes they would run around and pull it, right? Well, s- some of your rings back in the day, they took a huge anchor bolt and they bolted it through the post. So the back of the post would have an anchor bolt sticking out with, 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 a, with a lock nut and a bolt. And I remember the day I saw Duggan the day after they ran his head into it and a bolt got stuck in his skull. Oh. And, and he wrestled the rest of the match. He cracked his skull. Um, his eye was so big that he had stretch marks on his face from being swollen. He was like the elephant wow. man. And the next night, and, and my dad uh, was like, hey, brother, man, the doctor said, you know, you almost lost your eye. You almost lost your life. He's like, I know. He said, just be very careful when I'm on the ring. He worked that night. He actually uh. broke. He, he was in the thing. He goes, Bill, I can't see shit. He goes, I can't see anyway, but I can't wear my glasses. And my dad's like, well, we'll figure it out. And he, and he took the glass and he just broke it off. And so he'd wear it with one side because his head was so abnormal. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, so um, to see some of those shots are amazing. But yeah, uh, you guys, you guys hit it. There's no way, there's no way to cover it. You know, Cowboy Bill Watts is one of the best workers and one of the more brutal. He just missed too. And I, I, I just think it was getting in the ring and, and rust. Back to um, Ross after the break, and they moved on from the Akbar and Duggan stuff and started talking about Terry Taylor and Ric Flair. Flair had said that he did not want to wrestle Taylor again, and Joel speculated that Flair was scared of Taylor, and they recapped what had happened the previous week with the North American title change. And what said that Flair gained moral victory by costing Taylor the North American title, and that would impact on Terry's quest to become the world champion. And as we know, Flair beat Terry the previous weekend in a title match in the Superdome. Um, In-ring next was the new North American champion with a beautiful title belt around his waist. Boyd went to announce the nightmare when Eddie Gilbert interrupted him, as we talked about earlier on, said that from now on, he should be introduced by his real name. I I thought for a second, (laughs) we're going to get a different name and it's now being called the champion. So cut the nightmare out. Boyd then repeated that and the champion was up against Mike Nichols, who offered his hand in a sign of sportsmanship and friendship, which the new champion did not take him up on. Uh, Joel said he heard some good things about Nichols, but he was at a significant disadvantage here. Uh, And Joel talks about how Bill had had the North American title previously and how he may want to um, go after that again, albeit that may not be his primary objective. So good stuff in teasing maybe some future directions for Bill. Um, The champion won in 155 with his pile driver. Um, Eric, any thoughts on this one? And also, were you surprised that I was really shocked when they took the title off Terry? So I don't know if you can remember that at the time or in, in hindsight. Was that a shock, do you think? Well, uh, well, okay. So, the yeah, yes, it was a shock. Because Terry, wasn't Terry the one that was first? He won when they remade that North American, the, the big belt that you see. Wasn't Terry the first uh, holder of that? Um, or was Magnum? Maybe Magnum. Ma- Magnum, I think. Yeah, first or second. Well, but yeah. was it? What was it? Uh, because I do remember a funny story. Because my mom, being the designer, she said, "For for a champion, wow. we need a champion belt." Yeah, one of our so favorites they, for sure. Yeah. So when they listen, it got sent to our house, and my dad pulled it out. And he goes, what the? <laughs> like, 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 it was like a like moment. No, he loved it. He's oh, like, okay. He, my, my dad was looking at my mom going, who all can even carry this? Yeah. Like, you know, it was so big. Now, <laughs> now, 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 Magnum, Magnum was a strong, you know, burly. So he loved it. So if you go like, like uh, a few months later, 
I did hear Terry Taylor in the locker room talking to some of the guys. He's like, I don't even know what to do with this belt. It's so big. <laughs> I can't carry it. I'm going to hire someone to carry the belt. He goes, I can't bring it to the airport. He goes, what do you do with this belt? He goes, it cuts into me when I wear it into the ring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, like but it, it, it was not, it was, it, it was not kayfabe. It was this guy saying, this belt is so big. I don't know what to do with it. And it had me in tears. So who knows? Maybe he needed the belt off of him. <laughs> I think, I think, I'm sure you've seen this, Eric. You've seen the AEW world title. I think Tony Khan, well, I know Tony Khan was a Mid-South fan because that is, that is someone's oh, got really? the North American title, got the the old IWGP heavyweight title and pushed them oh, together. Yeah. And that's the AEW world title. Oh, I, belt. No, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen yeah, it yet. Yeah, have, have a look yeah. afterwards because it is, it's, it's very, yeah. it's slightly more plain but in terms of the style and the size it's very very yeah. similar um, I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you though you did hit upon something because I, I listened to the commentary too and and Joel you know one thing that was beautiful in Mid-South is how they could do the TV and all this all the mini storylines within place like for, mm. for, for Flair to pull what only someone that is truly like uh, over can say I, I don't want I don't want to fight him again which what tells you that builds Terry Taylor no matter what and, and Terry is awesome but but that that, that builds him and, and then Joel you know like he got one over cost I mean it, it was like real like you had you you had some dislike for what Flair did yeah. you know those are those are the things sometimes in today's wrestling I I just miss it, it's almost like um that show that I watched I turned to Lisa I go I think I remember, I, I I didn't look at the time of the show. I just remember that we were always trying to do like around 43 minutes because we had 17 minutes of commercials or 47 and 13 minutes. There was something like 43 and 17 or 47 and 13. How, how, do, you, do you remember how long 43 the show and 17, I think it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so 43 and 17, right? And and I turned and, and turn to my girlfriend and I go, God, that was a lot. That, that was just a lot of stuff that happened. And then you go back and you peel the onion and the complexities that are truly there about the story. And I mean, Terry and, and Flair and the belt. And it, I, I just, I miss that stuff, man. I miss it. See, yeah. so, I don't even know you're aware of this, Eric, but um, the, the, so rest, the Wrestling Observer was a thing in this time. And the readers, uh, readers voted uh, Mid-South Television their television show of the year in 85 and 86 so it goes to oh, show wow. that the people that were reading you know and, and it was it was it was it was yeah. um I, I don't know actually it was probably like decent numbers in those 80s and then probably through to the end of the 80s in terms of maybe a bit bigger but you know it was it was a size you know Dave Nuts was doing that full time in the late 80s and you know there was mm-hmm. a sizable number of people that was were watching this and they could you know by then you could pretty much watch everything so you know it just goes I, I really you, you'll know better than me on this but I watched the the early one hour nitro so again probably similar timing that someone there would have been watching because I think it's such a such a similarity between those nitros and this because it's quick bam 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 angle sight enhancement match couple of stars you know, not necessarily a clean finish here, this, this, this. Everyone's got a story, bam, 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 and it's gone. And it's lost a bit when it went two hours. But there's so much they're taking from that Mid-South te- television show of, you know, 40-odd minutes. I really think that. Right. It, it was a lot, man. Yeah. So uh, next up, we've got um, 
Ross said that there was a lot of exciting things happening and they recapped the angle last week involving Dutch Mantel, Mark Reagan and the Nightmare involving uh, the Bullwhip Shoe Baby and we got um, this, the repeat of Snowman's promo. Next up was Mantel himself up against Alan Martin um, who had quite a large pair of high-waisted trunks on, almost a Simon Cowell looking wrestling gear. I don't know if that if Simon Cowell <laughs> reference resonates quite so much. I know he is, a, he is a star over there as well. Joel said that Dutch was a back alley brawler who used questionable tactics in the ring and what he likes least is the ball rope on the outside of the ring and um, joel said that dutch was undefeated so far but he hadn't faced a snowman as of yet dutch hit martin with a devastating looking left-handed clothesline to the face and then finished him off with the mx front suplex in 147 and um, terry what did you think of dutch mantel and alan martin here well i i just remember back you know during this time you know dutch was good dutch was really good and he was good at getting heat and 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 the angle now, and, and the snowman will talk a little bit about this later on, but the angle uh, nowadays probably wouldn't play out as well as it, as it did there. You know, yeah. very edgy and, uh, and just good, good television for the time. Yeah, for the time. So, what did you make of this film? It, I agree with what Terry just said. It just made for good television. And, it, and like you just mentioned, it was the number one television show there for you know, for two years in a row, but something Eric mentioned earlier, he said he looked, and in that 43 minutes, there was so much. We've had several times we reviewed these these episodes, and sometimes there's just so much packed into a short time that it was just creative brilliance. It you was, know, yeah. We, we, we've talked about, we're not, Eric, we're not saying this just because you're on here. We've talked about the brilliance of this, everybody involved in this show, but right. certainly in your father, and, and these matches here just, go to show it's true this is the thing i've never watched any of this stuff and this is this is what 36 years ago and i'll find myself i've i'm taking notes so i'm i'm in it anyway but i find myself like uh, there's next week there's a tag team toss match i'm like Kaiki, and then he, like, i'm really into it i'm like is this gonna happen is this gonna happen i'm more invested in this and i watch dynamite every week i'm more invested in what's gonna happen in mid-south if you think and- i've i made the point i'm sorry to interrupt but no, we go talked ahead. about this before at when we're watching this back then at that time Think about how cutting edges was because of all the things that had not happened yet in professional wrestling. You know, right now we just had a first WrestleMania, but all those, all those major pay-per-views had never happened. Uh, You know, the Hulk hadn't had his run. Rock hadn't had his run. None of those things had happened. So this was uh, the biggest, most creative things that ever happened in wrestling. You know, mankind hadn't taken a dive off the cage. So people now, if they start there and then they go back, they may think, well, this is just good wrestling. But at the time, there is nothing like it. There's nothing good. Yeah, to it. I know what you mean because because I'm watching this like this is this is you know uh, you know creative masterpiece in terms of how this. I'm thinking you know if this was in my local arena, I'd be buying a ticket for this. And I think that's the perhaps that's the that's the biggest compliment that we can pay. Um, we had the returning Fantastic up against the Dirty White Boys up next. And it was great to hear the Fantastic theme again as the Shreveport crab on their feet. Lots of hugs for some ladies in the, at ringside from the Fantastic Boys who were wearing some fantastic sparkly sequin long waistcoats. Uh, and they milked this for all it was worth as the time remaining in the episode was slipping away. Jim Ross said the Rock and Roll Express were having... Uh, sorry, Jim Ross said that the Rock and Roll Express were having difficulties getting to the ring, so he got slightly confused there. Um, the Dirty White Boys attacked Rogers and Fulton as they were getting in the ring. The Fantastics made it back in and they were on top as Joel said there wasn't much time left um, there was a great go Bobby go chant as the dirty white boys got on top 
Um, Noir said that next week the Rock and Roll Express would be back. The Snowman would be there. The Fantastics versus Ted DiBiase and, and Steve Williams also was on the card. Uh, and that's it, basically. They went off the air with, with the four uh, men in the ring, which I hadn't done for a while. Um, Eric, any any thoughts on um, on the Fantastics or the Dirty White Boys and the kind of end of this uh, this June 8th, 85 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? The, the, the one thing that was amazing uh, to me was um, before they before they wrestled, I believe my dad had brought those guys in to do some videos. Mm. And I remember they, they didn't know each other at all. The Fantastics. They, oh, right. you know, okay, from, yeah. from, but from what I remember, it wasn't like they and guys correct me. I don't think they wrestled, you know, and, and they said we, so the chemistry they had to me, um, and, and unless they were talking about a, a territory prior, but they, they, they knew each other for a short t- period of time. A, their chemistry was crazy, like crazy. The two of them, it was crazy. But man, when I saw and they walked out, for, first things first, um, I don't think, I've seen a show in forever. Did you guys notice the the um did you guys notice the ratio of women in the audience to men? We've did you called guys, this out. I, we've called this out many times the, the, the crowd over the years. It was insane. Like yeah. I, I'm like I, I I'm saying it was I'm saying it was probably like 60%, 65% women to men at a pro wrestling event in the in the 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 way the cheers and the screens happened, it reminded me of some kind of like old footage of the Beatles, you know, or something coming out. So the passion that they had, and then because I've been around those guys, you could tell when they would like hug the girls and hug the girls and there was an older lady. I mean, yeah, one of them yeah. even whispered something. So I'm telling you, they were so good with the fans after the matches too, that they would get to know these fans. And I'm like, I guarantee you he was probably saying, thanks for bringing brownies today. <laughs> How are you doing? Right. I mean, and they're pointing at people. They're talking to people. They, 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 they were the people's, you know, wrestlers. And so to me, when I watched it and it came out, I, I was like, you know, wow. Uh, that, the intensity of the crowd and how much they believed in them was awesome. And to me also, uh, again, talking to my girlfriend, I said, because uh, th- this was the last match, right? On the show yes that's right yeah right and i said watch this i said watch this my dad's famous with this they're not going to finish this match and then they're like 30 seconds left and she's like well what do you mean i go i go he would go off the air you know and 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 um the match would be going on and she goes why i go because how are you going to draw people to the tv show and she goes what i go you have got to make the TV show hot and not show everything so the people come back. Now, WWE, when I was at WWE, it was brutal because what you did at WWE was they would have some pre, one or two pre-matches. Then they would do their three hours of Raw or whatever it was. And then they would have two or three main event matches, like your top guys, like Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. You know, and they'd have most of the time they have two matches. Well, the reason why they did that was to hold the audience through the show. Sure. <laughs> People don't know that. 
my dad, and I saw some comments where this one person just didn't understand. They go, well, no one would go for that today if you ran off the air. You know, I'm a fan. I, I want to see the finish. Great. You, they, guess what, Mr. Critic? You just got it. Yeah. You know, right. because if Goodbye you want to see it that yeah. bad, your ass would show up in the seats, right? And then you saw yeah. those crowds and how passionate they were, and and you had to do it. So, um, and 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 um, I, I remember, you know, Shawn Michaels had got a hold of me and said, "Hey, can you got your dad's number?" I go, "Yes." <laughs> and so it was him and Kevin Nash. He's like, we, "We we need some, we need your dad up at WWE." And uh, I was like, "Okay." So I gave him the number and and and. and very soon after that, my dad was up at WWE. And um, to hear the boys talk up there, they're like, almost every show lately, the bad guys come in at the very end, after the good guy wins, and then the bad guys just rip the good guy to death and leave him laying, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and so my dad had these certain techniques to spark the interest at the end so you wanted more. And so... When I saw that, it was so refreshing to finally see a match that didn't fi- – uh, this is in my world, okay, my amateur world, that didn't finish in TV, left suspense. I, I swear to goodness, guys, I got, all, I, I, I got done with uh, watching it, and I was like, I, I am now wanting to see 301. Right. Uh, I want to <laughs> see what happens the next week, you know? Um, so I, I've got to say, it, you know, the energy the, energy the audience had, fantastics and the match and 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 those guys were laying it on the line it just it's addictive it's addictive we'll definitely have you we'll we'll try and do this maybe maybe uh later on in the summer as again eric and and mike is obviously always always welcome phil i don't know if you've got to jump off but do you have any final thoughts at all before we um before we close on out of here no not really it's a tremendous episode permission oh just one real quick you all realize who the not the nightmare was the champion do you know yes yeah 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 i think talk about this room uh, is that that Randy Cooley in that yep. Moondog Rex? Okay, uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Some uh, uh, some folks. Oh, he's he's some- he's way he he. I didn't because his WWF run is early eighties, isn't it? So that he's before my. I yeah. see some people in a in a group asking about that when we mm. when I put that up there. But uh, no, just a great show, Eric. Man, thank you so much. Uh, hey, Phil, hey, Phil. With you guys talking like this, I you guys got you know great communication. So you guys must really do kind of like Jim Ross and Joel and. Bill Watson, you guys are like filling in the fans. Um, all three of you are filling in the fans. You, you can tell you're walking them down memory lane. So if any of you three, uh, I don't know if everyone has my number, but if they don't, you I'll guys get, it get to if you like. Okay. Yeah, get, get the number to everyone. All three of you, if you have certain questions when it comes to who was under that mask, do you know, not know, those, those are easy. You can shoot me three or four of those. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just call my dad. Not a bad resource for Mid-South Wrestling, really, is it? Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, j- just because the thing about it is you you guys have me intrigued. Like now I want to know who it was because I don't yeah, know exactly yeah. who it was. But you can tell you guys are putting stories together. And so I think it's kind of cool and important. So if you, if you guys have little things uh, like that every once in a while come up, sh- shoot me some and, and, I, and I'll try to get you guys updated. Really appreciate it, Eric. Awesome. And Terry, any final thoughts on the episode? Yeah, just a couple points. Uh, you're exactly right. The, the, the way those matches ended, it, 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 it put asses in the seats at the arena. The other thing, too, and, I, and, and this is something we may have talked about before, this stuff is supposed to be real. So the match isn't always going to end at Very a certain good point. time. 
Yeah. So in, in, in the kayfabe time, it was going to go over at times. And, and so, so I think that's the other Good point. Mid-South, this was supposed to be real. And, and, yeah. and it, it, it brought us in. Uh, the other thing too, Eric, I think when, uh, when Bobby Fulton was hugging those girls, they weren't always talking about thanking for the brownies either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I got a few stories I could add to that, but we'll leave that alone. Let's leave it alone. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Eric, I pre we, we appreciate this so much. We, 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 we'll definitely do this again. Um, I, th I, th I thank you so much for, for being on the show. Um, and, and I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed it. I'm sure they have, and we should speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify, or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter, and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.